Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Iran has seized an oil tanker, drastically ratcheting up the tension in the Middle East, and Trump slams the weaponized New York civil fraud trial. He just spoke moments ago. We'll get some audio on the way for you. And Hunter Biden is about to be in court in California. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter. Matt Rich Zioli. Closing arguments in Trump's New York civil fraud trial going on live right now. Of course, this is just one of the many attempts to get him as uh, we are waiting for the Iowa caucus to occur very, very shortly. The New Hampshire primary. Uh, Trump's going to win both. And it's not even a question about that. Well, I mean, look, it's always a question because politics is, you know, it's the art of the possible. But. As of right now, it certainly seems like Trump is going to win both. No question about it. And the fact that he's slamming this weaponized New York civil fraud trial is exactly part of the reason why. Because the Democrats and their timing is just exceptional, isn't it? I mean, the way they do this to the guy, the way they go after the guy, it just every single time helps him, benefits him in every single way. But hey, look, you know what? He doesn't need any more help from the government at this point. They've done enough. At this point now, it's just time for him to move on. He did He did mock Chris Christie last night pulling out of the race, which was pretty funny. Uh, we'll grab some audio of that for you. He had his town hall meeting last night, of course. And um, Haley and DeSantis debated. I don't know if you watched it. I, did, I didn't watch it last night. I, didn't, I don't really care. Uh, neither one of them are going to be the nominee. I've told you this for a while now. It's not. I mean, nothing personal against Ron DeSantis. I don't like Nikki Haley. But uh, it's just nothing personal. It's just he's not going to win. So he'll drop out and he'll support Trump and he'll try to redeem himself for 2028. Haley put out a nice comment about Chris Christie yesterday after, of course, you know, live during the show yesterday, Christie dropped out of the race. And right before he went on the air to drop out of the race, he wound up getting caught in a hot mic, trashing Nikki Haley, just showing that he has just the, the absolute worst political timing in the world. Uh, and this was bad because the hot mic moment was what w- was the story yesterday. It wasn't even the dropping out. It was like, yeah, I kind of figured he was going to drop out. 
But it was the fact that they figured he would drop out. He would endorse Nikki Haley, get on the Haley train, and then try to take credit if she somehow pulls out a win in New Hampshire. Now, it's not necessarily a, a sure bet that he would, in fact, help her win New Hampshire because it's not a sure bet that she'd win New Hampshire. His polling numbers are terrible. I mean, they we went through some of these, these numbers. Well, I mean, Trump's people did. His pollster did. Went through some of the numbers when it came to Chris Christie. And when you look at, at, at the way people felt, I mean, he had some very bad, bad numbers in New Hampshire. So it's not ex- it's not exactly like if he got out of the race, it would just turn around and, and it would all of a sudden, you know, N- Nikki Haley's going to benefit from Chris Christie. Chris Christie has a lot of problems. So yesterday, Trump's campaign, there was a memo that was put out by Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita. And it was the impact of Chris Christie's withdrawal. And what they looked at was latest tracking trends in Iowa. He was not much of a factor. He was going to be embarrassed there. He, he only received 6% of the vote if they showed up, and only 4% thought that he could win. In the two-way Iowa ballot that would factor a Christie withdrawal, President Trump still wins decisively 56% to 40%. All right? In fact, 34% of Christie voters are unfavorable to Nikki Haley. They may not show up at all. So it's not a sure bet that his voters automatically go to Haley. In New Hampshire, though, Chris Christie was definitely more of a factor, but is strongly disliked by the majority of New Hampshire primary voters, 59% unfavorable to only 37% favorable. Christie did receive 16% of the vote, but only 6% of all voters thought that he could win. However, the Chris Christie voters are not the traditional New Hampshire Republican primary voters. Christie voters, because Joe Biden is not on the ballot in a serious New Hampshire Democratic primary, are more likely to be behavioral Democrats who are independents or undeclared and invading the Republican primary. They would usually vote in a Democratic primary. Christie voters are mainly independents, 63%, and 72% are either liberals or moderates. 76% of Christie voters did not vote in the 2020 New Hampshire presidential primary. Christie's withdrawal to attract his voters will only pull Nikki Haley further to the left. For this reason, in the two-way New Hampshire ballot that would factor a Christie withdrawal, President Trump would still beat Nikki Haley 52 to 44 percent. Furthermore, Chris Christie has very serious negatives and should be a liability to Nikki Haley. These voters clearly remember Chris Christie's embrace of Barack Obama that caused Mitt Romney's loss and more recent mean-spirited attacks on Donald Trump that can only help Joe Biden. In New Hampshire, Christie has seriously very high and favorable ratings among critical voter segments. No one seems to like Chris Christie except that small group of Chris Christie voters. His high negative ratings make him unelectable in New Hampshire, maybe as disliked as he is in Fort Lee, New Jersey, they say. Christie's support for Haley will be a major liability with the vast majority of New Hampshire Republican primary voters. His unfavorable among Trump voters is 91%. No shock there. He spent the entire time attacking the former president. His unfavorable ratings among DeSantis voters, 77%. Among Ramaswamy voters, 90%. Undecided voters, 80%. 32% of Haley voters have an unfavorable view of Chris Christie. Now, the thing about this 
that is really telling here is that 41% of Christie voters are unfavorable to Haley. And now the question is, will they even vote? Will they even bother? Now, they still may. If they, if they, even if they dislike Nikki Haley, they still may hate Trump more, and so they may decide to vote for her if it seems like she has a chance of stopping Trump in New Hampshire. But he's also radioactive. And the problem is, outside of New Hampshire, he's got nothing. He's got nothing to offer. And that's the other point. By the way, some breaking news. Harvard students are going to sue the university over the failure to address severe and pervasive anti-Semitic harassment on their campus. Of course, this is going on college campuses, you know, all over the country right now. But Harvard in the spotlight of all of this, of course. Oh, and Johns Hopkins has put out a list of all the things that would make you a, a privileged person, including basically just being anything that's not a black gay woman. Basically, if you're not a black gay woman, you're basically a person of privilege. So I'll, I'll get into that with you as well as the show goes on. And the other uh, big fact about Christie's withdrawal that I think a lot of the kind of the media is missing here is that at this point, if he comes out and endorses Nikki Haley, it's going to be combined with that clip of him saying Nikki Haley is going to get smoked and she's not ready for this. And she's going to get crushed, whatever he said, and she's not ready for this. The, the, the two go in tandem now. You know, you can't separate them anymore. It's like a beautiful duet. And that duet is going to play, if he comes out and endorses Haley, for sure. They're going to play the endorsement, and then they're going to play, but this is what he said in the hot mic. Always back and forth. And it, it, if, if she pulls him on the stage with him, it's just going to look bad. You know, it's going to look, I don't know, it's going to look sleazy. It's going to look like disingenuous. It's going to look as if she is just trying to take anything she can get. It's going to look desperate, I think. In other words, there's nothing good that comes from this. She tweeted out yesterday, Chris Christie has been a friend for many years. I commend him on a hard-fought campaign. Voters have a clear choice in this election, the chaos and drama of the past or a new generation of conservative leadership. I will fight to earn every vote so together we can build a strong and proud America. And uh, as our friend Tony Bruno said, I guess you missed the part where he said, you're going to get smoked, Nikki. And that's the problem. Because an endorsement of Nikki Haley will still go side by side with that part of him saying that she's going to get smoked. You just can't separate the two. You just cannot. And the thing about it is that uh, somebody had a great comment yesterday. You know, It said you can take the UN ambassador out of Nikki Haley, but you can't take the UN out of Nikki Haley. I mean, you can you can. Get the get her out of being the ambassador, but you can't take out of the U.N. global viewpoint that she has. It was a line that DeSantis said yesterday. And I thought it was a good line because let's face it. Nikki Haley is a globalist, which is why they like her. I mean, it's why they're propping her up. It's why the establishment is behind her and they are clearly behind her. I mean, they are full on behind Nikki Haley at this point. And I think that uh, when she loses New Hampshire, because I don't think she's going to pull out a win there. And when Trump wins decisively in Iowa, it'll be out of the race for DeSantis, a two-man show with Nikki Haley, but Trump's still going. He's still going to win the primary. I mean, that's that's just the reality right now. It's it 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 is where things are headed, and he seems very confident. He seems very calm and relaxed. I thought his town hall meeting last night, he seemed like he was on top of the world, not really worried about this, but he should be. And the reason why he should be is that. 
the establishment of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party is not going to stop trying to take him out. They will not stop. That is their job numero uno. Since we're about to have more immigrants, illegal immigrants in this country than the size of Pennsylvania, I want to just make that point very clear in Espanol. Numero uno, their job is going to be to stop Donald Trump. Any means necessary. If they can't lock him up, if they can't send him to prison, then it's going to be to get her to be the nominee. And Democrats will flood the zone. I mean, this will be Operation Chaos all over again. And Operation Chaos is what Rush talked about years ago, trying to have Republicans vote as Democrats to flood the zone. Well, Democrats are going to do that. They're already doing that in New Hampshire. I mean, we know that. We know that the governor there is organizing people in tandem with the Democrat Party to get people to go. And since New Hampshire has an open primary, to go vote for Haley. So we know that's happening. And that is the big story of the day today, brought to you by our friend, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Make your appointment today for that beautiful smile that you deserve, VenariaDental.com. And this is the thing, I mean, you know, as, as you look at all these, um, these, these upcoming contests, this could all be over by Iowa. I was talking to somebody the other day about the Pennsylvania primary, which is in April. We, we may not have a, a, an actual primary in the state at all. I mean, Dave McCormick's got everything locked down for the U.S. Senate. He's good to go. He's got all the county chairs. He's got conservative support. He's got moderate support. He's, he's good. He's, he's going to be the nominee. That's not even a question. McCormick's got it in the back. There's not even, I don't think anybody's even running against him. I mean, he's got everybody's backing from, from, um, from the people that are the most conservative members of Congress to people like Brian Fitzpatrick. We got Scott Perry and Brian Fitzpatrick both backing McCormick. So he's he's a lock for that. He's he's good. Uh, the question is, will Pennsylvania have a bitter primary fight? I don't know how Nikki Haley plays in PA. I don't know if Nikki Haley makes it to April. In other words, if Trump runs the table in the early contests, that may just be the end of it. Because Nikki Haley will be the Republican establishment choice, and this may drag on. But it may drag on in a way that's simply because she has money. Not delegates. Money. Remember, you can stay in this race as long as you want. There's there's no limit to how much money you can waste. You can stay in this thing all the way up to the convention if you want. You can you can try to have a convention for a floor fight if you want. You can do that. But the Iowa caucus is four days away. Trump's going to crush that. He's going to win New Hampshire. She's not going to beat him in New Hampshire. Now, maybe she had a chance to if Christie hadn't blown it last night with the hot mic moment. But that hot mic moment is... It's basically him telling his supporters, don't waste your time. She's going to get smoked. What's the point? Now, what's the point? As opposed to going out there and telling his supporters, look, I want to stop Trump. You want to stop Trump. The only way to do that is not with DeSantis because he's just like Trump and he'll help Trump. And it's with Nikki Haley. So get behind Nikki Haley. But he can't now say that since he said on a hot mic, she's going to get smoked. She's not up to this. So even if he says that, his supporters are going to think, well, I don't I mean, she's going to get smoked. What's the point? So they may just stay home. Trump will win New Hampshire. Trump will win Iowa. And then it's very possible that she stays in the race with some idea because they will. They, she will stay in the race. Mark my words about this. DeSantis will not. He's smart. He knows that he needs to get out after Iowa, save his face with MAGA back Trump, help Trump, and try to position himself for 2028. Trump wins. DeSantis can be part of that and be on the, the, the 
the inner circle to some degree and then hope to position himself for 2028 with Trump's core voters. If Trump loses in 2024, DeSantis then can position himself as the front runner for 2028. Now, obviously, it's a billion years from now and a million things can change. So I'm just telling you what the strategy will be. Not that it's actually going to work out that way. Cannot predict what's going to be in four years, obviously. But that's what his that's what he'll try to do. Haley, however, will stay in. No matter what, she stays into the bitter end because she'll have the money behind her. And the reason why she'll have the money behind her is the establishment is going to sit there thinking, hey, look, Trump could go to jail. Trump could be disqualified from running. A million things that the establishment will think. And as long as the checks keep coming in, she doesn't have to leave the race. Their thinking may be, hey, maybe we get it to the convention. Maybe Trump is uh, there's a guilty plea, guilty verdict. And delegates there turn around and say, I got to throw my support to the only other candidate in the race, Nikki Haley. So the establishment will not let it go. But as far as it being an actual primary fight, I don't know if it's really going to be one. Even if it's just a two person race, I don't really think it's going to be one just based on these poll numbers. But certainly don't tell that to the GOP establishment or the Democrat establishment. Remember, I told you yesterday too, the Democrat establishment would be more than happy to have Nikki Haley there. They'd be fine with it. She gives them all the trade deals she, that they want. She gives them the war in Ukraine. They're good. They're happy. They're fine. China's happy. Everybody's happy. China will be so happy. And all these big corporations that do business in China, they'll be happy too. So they'll be fine with her. They're not going to sweat it. They won't care. But in terms of Republican primary voters, I do not see this being a two-person fight in the conventional way of, wow, look at this is coming down to the wire in places like Pennsylvania. Even if there's even if she stays in the race, I don't see it playing out that way. I just think Trump's lead is too commanding at this point. But that does not change the fact that she will stay in the race. She will stay in the race, hoping that something changes. The establishment will keep her in the race, hoping something changes, hoping some externality happens regarding perhaps the trial and a conviction, et cetera, et cetera. With that said, this is what Donald Trump said outside the courthouse in New York just a short time ago. As they were wrapping up their closing arguments. And uh, take a listen. President Trump, everybody. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've gone through years with uh, this person. Uh, she's a political hack, the attorney general. Uh, the judge is obviously extremely friendly with the group. And we'll see uh, what happens. I think maybe he uh, may surprise people. On a positive side, we'll have to see what happens exactly. But uh, we've proven this case so conclusively. Uh, we've asked for directed verdict many times. Uh, they don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. Millions and millions of pages, years of litigation, and all politically motivated. She campaigned on a I will get Trump. If you've ever seen any of the uh, seen any of her clips, they're horrible clips. Actually, the anger she's got. Serious Trump derangement syndrome. There's no question about Letitia James, the corrupt attorney general of New York. So we've proven our case. There's not one witness against us other than one person who is a a deranged. He's got a lot of problems. He's a man who's uh, been convicted of lying. He's a felon, convicted felon and uh, not a good person. But that's their only witness. And he's now crashed and burned. They have no witnesses. And by the way, that witness took back everything that he said. He took back everything he said in court, took it all back. So they have no case. It's a shame that a thing like this is able to happen. 
businesses leave New York. Uh, she went after Exxon and they decided to move to Texas and uh, hundreds of millions of dollars they pay in taxes. I paid over $300 million of taxes over the last number of years, 300 million. And uh, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize anything. So not think of it, not one witness, millions of pages of document, years of this nonsense, and now it goes on. And one other factor, we won this case already in the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals voted in favor of us. But this judge has been very, very slow to accept that opinion because that's not the opinion that he wants. But we won in the Court of Appeals. That's the boss of this judge who has to know that. And it was a conclusive victory, statute of limitations and other things. And that case has already been won. So uh, that's the story. And I thought we'd come down to 40 Wall Street, which is a great building. And you'd get a chance to see one of the nicest buildings in New York and a convenient place. And I don't have to pay any rent because we have it. And it's been a very successful building. But it's a shame to have to have gone through this for years and years and years. And now we'll see if we're going to get an honest verdict. We didn't have a jury. We had no rights to a jury. It's a statute that's never been used before for a purpose like this. I just watched a certain broadcast and they said, you know, they've been looking, has it ever been used before? This is a statute that's a consumer fraud statute, never been used for anything like this before. And it's a shame. It's, uh, it's really a, uh, it's a witch hunt in the truest sense of the word. It's election interference. And uh, it just came out, I, this was just, Right now, Letitia James visited Joe Biden in the White House numerous times during the Trump witch hunt. And this just came out about 10 minutes ago, I got it. And so it's all, it's all a conspiracy to try and get Biden, who can't put two sentences together, trying to get him into office. So I just want to let you know that uh, we have our best poll numbers, we have the best everything despite this, and maybe because of this, because the people of the United States, all of those people back there, but the people of the United States really get it. They get it better than anybody else. Yeah, please. Yeah, we have some of the questions as well. All right, when we come back, I'll, I'll share with you some of the questions that uh, the former president got outside the courthouse today. I'll give you some of the audio from his town hall last night, the debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, where all this goes from here. Your reaction, 855-839-1210, and on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. So, yes, I am telling you, I think it's very, very obvious that um, New Hampshire and I were both going to go Trump's way. I have to tell you as well, I'm reading the book The Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes, and I love it. And I'm at a point right now where they're trying to figure out how to penetrate Iranian airspace. And talk about a timely book, right? The Year of the Locust. It was just announced today that Iran has seized an oil tanker linked to the crisis between the U.S. and Tehran. The U.S. has been fending off Iran-backed terrorists in the region for weeks. So this book, The Year of the Locust, could not come out at a more timely time. And Terry Hayes and I are going to be together on February 7th for our book event. And it's going to be great. I mean, this whole book about this CIA operative who goes deep, deep into Iran to try to stop a plot by this radical Islamic group called the Army of the Pure, who has the backing of the Iranian government. I mean, this could not be more timely, this book. So you're going to love it. And if you have not read his book, I Am Pilgrim, I highly recommend you do that, too. That's still, to this day, one of my top three favorite books I've ever read in my life. So Terry Hayes is fantastic. And we're going to have a great night together, February 7th. So get your tickets by going to 1210WPHD.com today before the event sells out.
It'll be on February 7th, and I'll see you there. Coming right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Zioli Show. On your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. We are awaiting the um, Hunter Biden arraignment. Former President Donald Trump wrapping up in court today in New York. And uh, the Iowa caucus in four days. This is everything that's going on uh, nationally anyway. Locally, of course, there's a lot of stories as well. Larry Krasner suing over the fact that they took away some of his powers, quote unquote powers. Uh, The story of this guy who's got a squatter in his house in Philadelphia is just outrageous. And we're going to try to get him on the show as well. And I think that, too, when you, you know, when you look at the uh, the efforts by the establishment of the Republican and Democrat parties to control the process. No doubt about it. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, Johnny Cook on Twitter saying, you know, I think you may forget that the Iowa caucus are totally rigged by both parties. Remember the GOP in 2012 and Bernie and the Democrats in 16 or 20, whichever year that was. Yeah, totally true. Yes, but Trump's lead in Iowa at this point. It's just it's just too strong. The real clear politics average of polling right now. And this is what I mean. Now, I look at data. I look at all this stuff. I try to use uh, the best of my ability to analyze the elections. But in Iowa, Trump is up 32 points. I mean, that's a big lead. In the, and, and, and that's one poll. Another poll has him up 41 points. New Hampshire, he's up 16. So, you know, I mean, and, and nationally, he's up 45, I'm 55%. I mean, so you look at all these things and you turn around and you go, all right, well, I mean, it's just it, the lead is so substantial. And since there's no guarantee that Nikki Haley necessarily gets a lot of Chris Christie voters, but the only thing in Iowa, and this is the reason why I'm very, very leery about Iowa, is that the Democrats are voting. I'm sorry, New, New Hampshire, not Iowa. I'm very leery about New Hampshire because the Democrats are voting in New Hampshire. We know this. I played you the clip the other day of, an Iowa, of a New Hampshire voter who said, hey, look, I'm a Democrat, but I, you know, Biden's not running, so... I might as well vote for the Republicans, so I'm voting for Nikki Haley. And that that is underway. No no doubt about that. But the Iowa caucus is a different animal. And and Trump's lead there is, I mean, 32 points. Christie only his point his Christie was statistically negligible. I mean, he was within the margin of error in Iowa, so he was irrelevant. He only had support literally in New Hampshire, and that was it. So it was New Hampshire, and that's all it was. Yeah, here's thank you, Matt. Here's that New Hampshire voter from the other day. We played this for you, but this is very telling. And look, maybe this is a woman who's just organically just doing this on her own. Sure. But my spidey sense tells me that perhaps me think if she might be organized by some larger entity that's pushing all this. Take a listen. One of those frustrated voters is Thalia Flores, who you heard from at the start of the episode. After years of voting with the Democrats, this year, Thalia says she's switching things up. I decided several months ago 
that I thought, you know what, if my vote as a Democrat isn't really going to change things, then I'm going to vote in the Republican primary and at least try to get a candidate that I can respect and that I can live with <laughs> as opposed to Donald Trump. Fascinatingly, after going to all the Republican candidates' town halls and meeting all of them, I actually came to like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. Now, I don't agree with them on every policy. You see what I mean? You see what I mean? You see what I mean? Now, possibly it's all just this voter's just organic. That's all it is. But I don't know. I'm guessing there's something more organized that's going on right now. You know what I mean? Well, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Donald Trump took some questions today outside the courthouse. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, what are you saying right now? You texted me. You said the Democrat Iowa caucus is really weird. You can start voting Monday when the Republicans hold their caucus, but they aren't they aren't counting anything until March. <laughs> yeah, March 5th, technically. So you'll cast your ballot. Um, their whole caucus system is strange now. So they've basically done away with the caucus because uh, Biden and the DNC has insisted that South Carolina has to be the first state to cast their votes. Um, so I was basically just holding a primary at this point for Democrats. They're holding a caucus, but it ba- it counts for nothing. Your actual vote won't be tallied until March 5th, even though you can start voting um, January 15th, I believe, is the uh, Republican caucus date. I don't understand. That makes no sense, though. No, it's unbelievably stupid. All right. Well, I guess that, that changes timing things for Ron DeSantis, then. Well, but we'll, we'll kind of well, know well, how things Ron, are. No, no, right? that's just for the Democrats. For oh, the Republicans, for the Democrats. Yeah, oh, the Republicans Democrats. are holding a traditional caucus. Oh, okay, so, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, okay. Yeah. Oh, the Democrat caucus. They've okay. just screwed up their primary entirely. Well, that was for James Clyburn. That was all done for James Clyburn against South Carolina. As a thank you for 2020? Correct. That was entirely what that was. And a giant F you to New Hampshire by Joe Biden, who didn't even bother going on the ballot, so... <laughs> Which is why all these Democrats are now free to vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, here is uh, Donald Trump outside the courthouse today. He was taking some questions after he slammed the uh, the witch hunt, which it is. It's a total witch hunt. Look, you know, the bottom line about this, nobody was harmed here. This is the crazy thing about this whole case in New York. The Constitution of the United States of America is pretty clear. If the government's going to come after you and take away your life, your liberty, your property, they have to have due process, right? Now, this is a, quote-unquote, civil trial, so it's up to the attorney general if there's going to be a jury or not. They said no jury. But the the penalty here that they're asking for is $370 million. Now, I think the point of a civil trial would be, you know, I sue a comp- two companies sue each other in court civilly over a matter. I sue somebody in court. You know, I'll sue everybody. I sue, like jerky boys. I'll sue, sue everybody. I sue somebody in court, whatever. I sue a company that I think screwed me over. Whatever. That's a civil trial. When the government comes after you, and not on behalf of somebody who was actually in, defrauded, because there's no victim in this case. There's not a bank or insurance company or anybody else who says we were defrauded. The state of New York is arguing that these entities were defrauded. The entities have never said they were defrauded. And New York is asking for such a big number that I think it's ridiculous you don't have a jury trial. I think it goes completely, it's antithetical to the spirit of the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution, which says you should have a jury trial. 
But that's, you know, obviously not how they're going to do things here in this case in New York. It's, it's, it's all going to be up to the judge. Uh, here's Trump taking some questions today. Yeah, Bob. President Trump, we're just days away from the Iowa caucuses. What percentage of your time these days is spent on your campaign? And what percentage is spent on your legal issues? Well, see, my legal issues, every one of them, everyone, civil and the criminal ones, are all set up by Joe Biden, crooked Joe Biden. This is something that's never happened in this country. Even when you look at this, this is all about Biden and her meeting. So even the civil ones, this is civil, they're set up by Biden. Uh, every single just about case that I'm involved in is set up by Biden. They're doing it for election interference. And in a way, I guess you'd consider it part of the campaign, because if you really look at it, they are doing this. It's never been done like this in this country. It's like we're a third world country, a banana republic. But every one of the things that you write about are Biden indictments. And uh, I don't know, you know, I just got a poll. We just had a poll. It just came out and we're leading massively in Iowa. We're leading very big in New Hampshire. We're leading because the people understand this stuff. These are all set up every time somebody sees me in court. Remember, Joe Biden and his thugs that surround him did it. They're trying to get a man in office that can't put two sentences together, and they're doing that. But so far, we seem to do very well. Yeah, look, it's not uh, not hurting him in any, way, in, in any way, shape, or harm. Is that are there more questions after that? All right, here's another question. This this question, if I believe, um, sorry, I'm just getting a text here from somebody. Uh, interesting John Fetterman clip that just got posted a few moments ago. John Fetter person. Well, I'm convinced now his body double is just taken over for him at this point. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I think this question is, they were asked about, do you want to go to all the trials, I believe? Is this is the question? Yeah. All right. Take a listen. Have you made a decision about whether you're going to show up for the federal trials? You've showed up here in New York for your civil fraud trial. You've, you're, you've just said you're going to show up for the E.G. Carroll case. Are you planning to show up in court yeah. When they begin, whenever they begin. Sure. The, the sure. documents case. I, I would do that. Well, the documents case, I just hear where they want to try and exonerate Biden. And he didn't have the Presidential Records Act. And I do. What I did, nothing wrong. What he did, a lot of people say substantially wrong. Uh, you can't have two tiers of justice in this country. But no, I want to go to all of my trials. These are all, again, these are all set up by Biden and the Democrats. This is, they are, this is their new form of cheating. This is like last time. This is their new form of cheating. So far, I think it's gone very much against them. Yeah. This is their new form of cheating. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Again, I, you know, I, I am not. I know that like the DeSantis people get mad at me because they because I'm I make my political predictions. But this is not anything personal against DeSantis. I like DeSantis. I do. I like him a lot. I told you when he spoke of the, not Matt DeSantis, I can't stand him. Ron DeSantis, I mean, I want to be very clear on this point. Thanks for clarifying. No, it's the least I can do. The other DeSanctimonious, not Matt DeSanctimonious, my executive producer, Ron DeSanctimonious. I like the guy. I think he's great. I really do. I think he's very talented, and I think he's going to be a tremendous candidate in 2028. I have not been on the train destroying him. I haven't, I haven't said really a negative, I don't think I've said a single negative word about him, actually, this entire campaign. All I've done is just point out that he's not going to beat Trump. And it's not. And listen, the Pennsylvania primary, I'm not a national host. I should be. 
this show should be national, nationally syndicated, obviously. And you can listen anywhere you are. So you can listen on the Odyssey app. And we have wonderful listeners all over the country. Walla Walla, Washington, Ohio, our Ohio Zulia Army girls out there, Susie and MJ, and others. Florida, Texas, Nashville. But I'm just saying the, the point is that I'm not, a, I'm not a nationally syndicated host. I should be, but I'm not. So Pennsylvania doesn't have a primary until April. And I, and I said to you, I said, if, if this is a contest by April, then maybe at that point I'll make an endorsement. Maybe at that point I'll come out and say, but it said, I'm not going to do that and further add division. I don't broadcast in, oh, in Iowa. I don't broadcast in New Hampshire. There are listeners up there, because we have listeners literally everywhere, including Ethiopia, by the way. Huge in Ethiopia. <laughs> we have one listener in Ethiopia. Well, that's all we need is one to be on the map. <laughs> And if that person has a meter, uh, I don't know if he's in the Nielsen part of all things. I can hear Greg right now texting, stop talking about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, the point is that uh, I said months ago when DeSantis got in the race, uh, I'm not going to, this has got a long way to go here. We'll see if he's even in the race after New Hampshire and Iowa. And I don't think he's going to be. That's it. I think he's a very talented guy. I think he's the best governor in the country, at least one of the top best. You know, him and Christy Noem, a couple others. Greg Abbott's terrific, but he's great. And he's got a lot to offer for 2028, but he needs to get out of the race after New Hampshire and Iowa and back Trump to save himself for 2028. That's the reality here. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the political reality of the situation. And... I, I say these things not because of, of, of any animus towards the man. When he spoke at the Union League back in January, I thought he did great. And I said he's incredibly talented. But he's never been able to catch up the Trump in any way, shape, or form. And that's why the Republican establishment dumped the guy. And now they're all behind Nikki Haley. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's where we are with all this. And I'll get into some of the audio with you between Haley and DeSantis. But... It's an irrelevant debate. I mean, last night was irrelevant, these two battling each other, because neither one of them is going to be the nominee. I, I know that, you know, Nikki Haley will stay in the race. And like I said, they're going to do everything they possibly can to get her to be the nominee, hoping that some externality will happen to Trump that will take him out. But I still do not foresee that happening the way that I see it. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, Dr. Mike Venari is a great guy, great friend of the show, the master of dental implants. Would love to see you and give you the smile that you deserve, the smile of your dream. So what are you waiting for? Reach out to Dr. Mike today. Just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. I had my cleaning with Dr. Mike yesterday, did a fabulous job as he always does. His team is terrific. They're great people there. And the thing about it, of course, is uh, you have a choice. You know, when it comes to your dental care, you have a choice. And he has two offices to serve you, Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge. But you owe it to yourself to give you a beautiful smile. You owe it to yourself. Nothing makes a statement like your smile, truly. You enter a room, you smile, the world sees it, they, li- they smile with you, and it's, it's, it's great. So if you've been putting off a complicated dental procedure, if you've been worried about the cost or if you've had an, a, an estimate, get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Okay, do it today. Just go to VenariaDental.com. It's V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Remember, he's my dentist, he's my friend, and he is the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. 
Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I am so sorry, Pat Carr. But thank you for calling me out because I deserve it. I deserve it. And I got to give you extra credit, too, because you use one of my favorite words. Pat Carr said, so Ethiopia gets a shout out and North Carolina gets Stugats. It's actually Ungats. Stugats would be if somebody's stupid. I think a person's acting Stugats, you know, but um, Ungats. Isn't that Tony Soprano's boat's name, too? The Stugats, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which was for sale recently, as a matter of fact. I don't know if somebody bought it. Yeah, I don't know if somebody bought it, though. That'd be a nice, nice little knickknack to have. Listen, you work in radio. Don't be buying boats, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't even buy a rowboat. Yeah. Don't, Don't buy even like a rubber ducky at this point. Trust me. Save your money. Like I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy like a, my kid a toy little boat, dinghy. Like Reagan wouldn't even get a little boat for her bathtub. Be like, nope. <laughs> Sorry, you get ungats, ungats. Pat Carr, you met a god, ungats. Hang on, let's see here. Don't we have a whole Sopranos page? We do, yeah. right? Yeah, there is. Uh, hold on. Hang on, I got a whole page here. Godfather, oh Olivia Soprano. What, you just have you just have drops of Olivia Soprano? Uh, a lot of these were of uh, Jim Kelly's doing. Oh, Jim Kelly. Yeah, so all these movie ones are all him, or movie and show. Well, we have a lot of, but we don't have Tony Soprano, just his mother? I know there's a couple Tony ones in here somewhere. Okay, which one? We just washed the hair. No, that's not. That's that's different Tony. <laughs> uh, you got to stop with this black poison cloud all the time, because I can't take it anymore. Uh, that's Tony Soprano. That's good. Yeah. Talking to his mother. That's true. That's good. This is good. Actually, this is really, we got some good stuff here. I don't, you know, I don't spend enough time going through this. Let's see here now. There's a lot. There's some Star Wars here. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Mm, no, this is one of my favorite lines ever. Ready? I say this to my friend Eric Ford all the time because he looks like Goldfinger. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. What am I doing here? I'm just kind of clicking buttons. Listen, Sherlock, while you were tucked away up here working on your ethics, I was out there busting my hump in the real world. There you go. Thornton Mellon. I like that. We used to do a thing on this program years ago called um, Back to School. Zioli takes you back to school. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? No. It was a morning show. Not that you guys were up listening. Not that I was up listening. (laughs) Uh, But we used to do this whole thing where it was, I would would do like an education thing. Like I I would educate yeah, like a thing, like about the Constitution or something. So the program director at the time, pre-Greg Stocker, of course, said, you know, since it's a morning show, we need something. We need something FM wacky. You know, so we made up this little thing. It was, and so I decided to take the, the song from Back to School and turn it into that. Where the hell, where is that, though? I'm trying to find that. See, I'm surprised the morning show hasn't sold that, too, my intellectual property. It might be on their page. <laughs> Technically, everything that comes out of my mouth is owned by Odyssey, but... Oh, here it is. Ready? It was this. This was it. This was it. And now, it's time to go back to school with Rich Zioli. See that? And then I would, I would tell you about, I would bring it, like, I'd, I'd talk about, like, wh- why we have the impeachment clause or something. Why is it so loud? Thank you, Henry. It was very loud, right? <laughs> and long. Are you talking under this the whole time? I, I forget, actually, if I talked under it. No, I don't think so, because I couldn't explain the impeachment clause in 33 seconds. And that's the entire length of the clip. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Some of the, what, what is this now? The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 <laughs> WPHT. Include an interview or something? Oh, I could just play that? Yeah. Um, do you remember when I owned this? This is what Plus I used to have. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah. The Kutchie! Yeah, remember that? Yeah. It says Zioli on there, but it's not Zioli anymore, obviously. Uh, um, this is still my favorite here. Now, today's social media winner on the Rich Zioli Show. We never actually ever used that. No, we definitely never used no, that. No, we had it we had it done in production. We instead we did Henry Who Won Social Media. Yeah, that's on there. Where is that? Can you find that for me? Yeah, hold on. Um The best was the uh Who Won Social Media. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. That's pretty good. I like that. I like this mystery movie clip, too. Uh, do we still have that one? We don't have any prizes, that's, though. That's, that's the only yeah, problem. That's not a, a hotkey, either. Of course, this is one of my favorite hotkeys. I'll tell you what. I'm skimming through these photos. These are pretty good-looking camels. Can I just say that was AI? Just to distance myself from it. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> or my favorite is John Cena apologizing to China. I <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that one. Forgot about that too. I don't know why. I've, I've, it's all of a sudden now. I'm, I've just gone down this rabbit hole of looking through these uh, clips. All right. Uh, when is John Yu coming on the show? Four thirty. Four thirty. All right. The constitutional lawyer and uh, former advisor to a president, John Yu, will be on the show. We'll talk about executive power. We get a lot to go. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Our big four o'clock hour. I'll break down what happened last night. Hunter Biden is soon to be in court on tax charges. And the question remains, what will Chris Christie dropping out of the race do, if anything, to help Nikki Haley? Straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Hunter Biden is accused of not paying $1.4 million in taxes. And by the way, that goes all the way up to the big guy, Joe Biden. So will Hunter get a pardon? That's the question. He's going to be in court very, very soon. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today. I have to give a um, big thank you to my buddy, Rick Greco. Rick is Rick was my landscaper for years, Eastern Environmental, and he uh, finally today we got the pizza oven in place is officially in place, and that's thanks to Rick and his guys. We had to load up this giant. It was on this giant. Con- this is the big story of the day today, by the way. Brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. My pizza oven is now officially in place. That is the big story of the day. Not nearly as exciting as the big story that I was going to be on Jesse Waters the other night, but it's still a big, big story. <laughs> breaking it in tonight no i i got the gas line has to still get hooked up so because it's a dual fuel pizza oven but it's there you gotta move this whole big freaking concrete base thing and i put in a big freaking 
slab, you know what I mean? Big stone slab. And then the pizza oven itself went on top of that, and the pizza oven was 1,300 pounds. So he and his guys did that today. So it's finally in place. What is it, like a brick oven? Yeah. Oh, wow. So wood, it's going to be a wood-fired pizza oven. Oh, but I geez. have the uh, the um, uh, this gas burner that I got from Italy. The Italians made it. And it's called the Avanzani burner. And it, this, this thing shoots out a flame like you've never seen before. It's like, I don't know, 142,000 BTUs or something. <laughs> you heat up the oven with that, then you throw some wood in there. And you got yourself, you know what I'm saying? You got yourself a nice little pizza oven right there. Nice. So, oh, man. Yeah. I'll be over for dinner. Perhaps we'll have a Zioli Show pizza party. What do you think? Ah, uh, count me in. I'll yeah. bring the Coca-Colas. <laughs> you just got uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> you just got uninvited, Matt the Sanctitratorus. Uh, but that is the big story of the day today. My pizza oven is in. And that is brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. For your beautiful, perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. The other big story of the day today is that Donald Trump went after the judge. On Thursday, he delivered uh, abrupt remarks in his own defense on the final day of his civil fraud trial in Manhattan, attacking the New York attorney general who brought the case, insulting the judge to his face and declaring himself an innocent man. Mr. Trump's remarks lasted only minutes during which he impugned the attorney general, Letitia James, a Democrat, saying she hates Trump and uses Trump to get elected. He also took aim at the judge, Arthur F. Engeron, remarking, you have your own agenda. I certainly understand that. The judge stared stonely at him. Trump said, you can't listen for more than one minute. The judge instructed the former president's lawyer to control your client. But Mr. Trump continued until the lunch break, at which point he stopped as suddenly as he had started. The episode ushered in a dramatic conclusion to a months-long trial that has enraged the former president and threatens his family business. Now, they were on afternoon break. The trial itself has, has resumed for closing arguments. We'll keep Fox News potted up. I imagine that uh, the former president will come out and speak at some point. That's my sense of it. I, I, I imagine there'll be another statement by him as he leaves the courthouse today. Why is it that the establishment is propping up Nikki Haley so much? Why, 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 why? Uh, <clears throat> now, the biggest reason I've told you over and over and over again is Ukraine. It's the biggest reason why. The military industrial complex, something that, that former President Dwight Eisenhower warned us about on his way out the door, and this guy would know, considering he was the Supreme Allied Commander in World War II, he was a general, and he was a two-term president, so he would know that the military-industrial complex is a real thing and something you have to um, really be careful of. And since then, it's only grown stronger and stronger. We spent $10 trillion in the war on terror. $10 trillion. I got that number from Terry Hayes' new book, The Year of the Locust, which is fantastic. Talk about real-time events, what's going on in Iran. Ripped. It's like his his book is like ripped out of the headlines. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. It's unbelievable. So join us on February seventh for that event. It's going to be a great time. Just get your tickets at twelve ten wphd dot com. The war in Ukraine has made a lot of people rich. It will continue to make a lot of people rich. And Donald Trump, if he's elected president, the war in Ukraine will end. Nikki Haley has pledged to continue the United States ever never ending ongoing support for the war in Ukraine. Forever and ever and ever. And she actually went after Ron DeSantis about that last night during the CNN debate hosted by Dana Bash and Jake Tapper. 
Cut number two. Go to DeSantisLies.com and you can find out for yourself. But why don't we talk about the fact that if we're going to say this, when Ron was representing Florida, he said that he promised not to raise the debt limit when he got to D.C. Yet he raised the debt limit by hundreds of billions of dollars. He used to support Ukraine. He supported Ukraine when President Obama was in office. Now he's trying to copy Trump and saying that he no longer supports Ukraine and doesn't want to give them foreign aid anymore. He also goes and says that he wants to talk about me insulting Iowans. Iowans know when you're telling a joke. The fact that he's only running in one state is not the way you win president. I'm running in all states. But he should tell Iowans why he authored legislation to ban the renewable fuel standard that's so important to Iowans' economy and the fact that he co-sponsored five different pieces of legislation to get rid of it. And also, then he also said he would never do anything with Social Security. Yet he voted three times to raise the retirement age of Social Security. So if you're going to talk about what you said and what you did, I think you've got your own. It's the Ukraine thing. I mean, that's it. That, that you could just you could just isolate the Ukraine part and just leave all the rest of the, the DeSantis bashing out there. Um, he, and he hit her back on illegal immigration yesterday. I told you another reason why Nikki Haley's got the backing of the Koch brothers and a lot of other people is because she's she's for open borders. She is. And she's the one who said we have to be compassionate about I- illegal immigrants. Don't call them criminals. They're not criminals. Oh, other than that pesky issue of crossing the border illegally, which is a crime, of course. This is what DeSantis said about Nikki Haley. Cut number five. This has been one of the biggest years for illegal border crossings into the United States. Last month alone, 225,000 migrants illegally crossed the southern border. It's a record high, overwhelming the Border Patrol resources that are already stretched thin. Mayors across the country say their cities are being pushed to a breaking point. Governor DeSantis, former President Trump, famously promised to build a wall on the southern border. He obviously did not get that uh, done. You have promised to finish the job. How will you succeed where he failed? We will build a wall. We will actually have Mexico pay for it in the way that I thought Donald Trump was. We're going to charge fees on remittances that workers send to foreign countries. Billions of dollars uh, will build the wall. He also promised record deportations. Donald Trump deported fewer people than Barack Obama did when he was president. Biden's let in 8 million people just in four years. They all have to go back. We have to enforce the rule of law in this country. Think about what's happening to our country. Just this week, we saw the news that a a school in Brooklyn, New York, had the kids stay home. They were not able to go to school, told you can't go get an in-person education. Why? Because they're common. The city's commandeering the school to house illegal aliens in it. Talk about putting Americans last. You're putting these kids out of an education because you can't control the border. Biden has failed in this endeavor. He has not taken care that the laws of this country be faithfully executed. Do not trust Nikki Haley with illegal immigration. That's like having the fox guard the hen house. She's on tape at the Aspen Institute. She'll say she didn't say it. She was chastising conservatives, saying it's disrespectful to illegal aliens to say that they're criminals. They're violating the law. It's disrespectful when people come to this country illegally and impose burdens on our communities and run drugs into this country. That's what's disrespectful. She's weak on immigration. She's bankrolled by people who want open borders. And she said there shouldn't be a limit on immigration. You should work with corporate CEOs. Thanks, Governor. That is pale pastels. That Governor, is warmed thank over you so much. So, Governor- DeSantis has a future in 2028. He has a future in 2028. Nikki Haley does not, obviously. Uh, Let me share this with you from the Wall Street Journal. Matt, I just sent you a clip. I think it might be different from the other clip here. 
This this is uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Haley's tough sell on Ukraine aid from ten hours ago. Um, Nikki Haley's impassioned call for U.S. assistance to Ukraine is proven to be a tough sell to Republican voters. Some fifty six percent of Republicans said in a December Wall Street Journal poll that the U.S. was already doing too much to help Ukraine. Compared with eleven percent who said America wasn't doing enough. Some 20% of Republicans were satisfied with the current level of U.S. involvement. And the, and the reality is that Nikki Haley is, is all in on, the, on funding Ukraine. I mean, she's all in. If, you, if this is important to you, if this issue is important to you, she's your candidate. There's no doubt about that. She is your candidate. If, if you want America to keep supporting and paying for the war in Ukraine, sending weapons, sending money, then by all means, the, the candidate you should support is Nikki Haley. Period. Period. Full stop. To quote Governor Phil Murphy. Period. Full stop. Nikki Haley said helping Ukraine defend itself from Russian aggression is in the U.S. national interest. And she said, quote, this is bigger than Ukraine. This is a war about freedom. And it's one we have to win. One we have to win. Haley called Putin a tyrant and refuted claims the conflict is purely a purely a territorial dispute. Comments targeted close uh, Trump's close relationship with Putin and DeSantis's initial comments about the war. Now, DeSantis has has absolutely flip flopped on the issue of of Ukraine. No, no question about it. But look, I get it. I, I he wants to to have a position that is consistent with what the Republican voters want, which is a good thing. And it's I think it's okay to change your mind about a position if you realize that the voters want something different. I mean, you, you know, you're supposed to reflect the will of the voters in some ways. Nikki Haley, though, reflects the view of the ruling class. And the view of the swamp and the view of the establishment stuff. That's the reality. I mean, that's why she's still doubling down on the, on the war in Ukraine. She said it again last night. This is bigger than Ukraine. This is a war about freedom, and it's one we have to win. For them to sit there and say this is just a territorial dispute, that's just not the case. And she called out Trump for congratulating North Korean leader Kim Jong-un last week after the Little guy was elected to the World Health Organization's executive board. So there you go. I mean, I, you know, that's what I keep telling you. This is this is if you if Ukraine is important to you, if you're flying a Ukraine flag outside your house, you got the old blue and yellow flying, then there there you go. And that's that's your that's your spot. That's your that's your spot. Uh, This is a clip from last night, a little back and forth on the issue. Take a listen. Got that this one, is Matt? about preventing war. This is about keeping our military men and women from having to fight a war. And you only do that when you focus on national security, not telling lies to the American people that they have to choose. This is the U.N. way of thinking that we're somehow globalists and we have unlimited resources to do. You know, I think here's the problem. You can take the ambassador out of the United Nations, but you can't take the United Nations out of the ambassador. That's a good line, actually. It's, it's, that was a good that was a good attack on on her for this. So, again, like I said, you know, this this re, the reason why the establishment is solidly behind Nikki Haley comes down to one word, and that word is U- Ukraine. Really, I mean, truly. Well, they, I mean, they want to stop Donald Trump. Obviously, they want to stop Donald Trump more than anything. That's what they want to do. But it is because she will keep us in Ukraine. She said this is important. It's in America's vital interest, and we have to win. We have to win. Um, Hunter Biden is outside the courthouse. Let's just keep an eye on that, please, and just see if he's going to say anything. I think he's walking out right now. I don't know if there's going to be any comments by him or his attorney. 
Maybe somebody will ask him what's your favorite crack. Uh, but he's walking right now, and we're just seeing he's leaving the courthouse. He pled not guilty to tax charges. Does not appear as if he's going to say anything. But nevertheless, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep that monitored for you. So the other point, too, and we'll talk to John Yu about this, the, lud- the, the ludicrousness of some of these hypothetical situations. Yesterday, Congressman Jamie Raskin, it was towards the end of the show, and we had a lot of fun with this yesterday. Jamie Raskin said, what if a president is getting impeached and there are two senators who want to vote to convict and remove him? And the president has those two people assassinated, which made me come up with my whole theory for the president to just start randomly killing members of Congress to send them a message. And what I want to have is the president at the State of the Union address have a bat in his hand and turn around and just beat the Speaker of the House to death with the bat like Al Capone and the Untouchables just to send a message. If you mess with me, I'm going to kill you because if because by the hypothetical questions that keep getting asked by the media The argument goes that the president is essentially going to go on a killing spree. Do we have Jamie Raskin from yesterday? Can you pull this up for me, please? This is Jamie Raskin. This his hypothetical question from yesterday, which I think is it's so it's so absurd. But take it to it. Take it to the next level, please. Take it to the next level. And that next level, of course, being that the president then can just go on a wild Dexter style killing spree against members of Congress. And if they can't impeach him, he's good to go. He'll be fine and there'll be no consequences for it. Take a listen. Um, well, the, the uh, presentation in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals before the three-judge three panel was astounding. Um, Donald Trump and his lawyers essentially asserted that the president has the right to assassinate people, to kill people, um, without uh, any prospect of prosecution unless they're first uh, impeached by the House and convicted in the Senate. And of course, as a, a member of Congress, my first thought was, well, then if the president is going to order out for the assassination of his political rivals and say there's a narrow margin in the Senate of a two or three vote in the opposition party. Um, what's to keep him from murdering members of the Senate to right. make sure that he doesn't get convicted there exactly. in order to deny a two thirds majority? He could kill them and then uh, he can't be impeached or convicted because he's murdered his opposition and he can't be prosecuted for it because he hasn't been impeached or convicted. Now, of course, Trump's argument is utterly ludicrous. No, 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 no. Your analogy. No, your analogy is utterly ludicrous. But let's go with it for a second. So my theory is, if I were president, on my first State of the Union address, I would take a bat and beat the Speaker of the House to death. Right there on the podium. I'd turn around and be like, now, let's have a conversation about impeachment. You can try to impeach me, but I will murder each and every one of you in your sleep. All right? So now I'm basically, I can do whatever I want. And every State of the Union address, just to remind them that I can go on a killing spree, I will choose one member of Congress and have that person assassinated right in the chamber. And it could be like a national game. Like, who's the president going to kill tonight? Maybe it'll be a senator from Oklahoma. Sounds like Hunger Games. It'll sort of be like Hunger Games, yeah. And I'll stand on the podium, and then every now and then I'll do cool things. Like, I'll take out, like, a chainsaw, and I'll turn. maybe I'll kill my own vice president. And I'll just turn around and be like, he might be the deciding vote, and kill him. Now there won't even be a vice president, so you can't impeach me because I just killed the guy. And then randomly, too, every now and then I would drop, like, a gas, you know, into the chamber kill like 30, 40 members of Congress. Again, just to send a message, if you try to impeach me, I'm going to kill you. And the message came, and the question came up again last night, 
with Jake Tapper asking Ron DeSantis, what happens if presidents start just assassinating people? And I really think these people are hoping for a president to be a serial killer. And I am too, because I think it'd be an outstanding movie. I really do. It's the president who goes nuts. See, in the movie The Untouchables, Al Capone had a baseball bat and beats beats the guy's brains in with a bat just to send a message to the other mob leaders in the room. This is how I operate. I think the president needs to do more of that. And then they'll never try to impeach him after that. And then since they can't prosecute him for murder, he's good. He's golden. You've just secured your power, damn it. And this is Jake Tapper last night with Ron DeSantis, cut four. Let's talk about how you view the powers of the presidency because your opponent, Donald Trump, was in court yesterday for a hearing on presidential immunity. And Governor DeSantis, I'm wondering if you agree with the argument that Donald Trump's lawyer made in court that a president should have immunity for any conduct in office, including, as the judge asked, ordering the assassination of a political rival unless the president gets impeached and convicted by the Senate for the offense first. Well, obviously, that attorney uh, gave the case away on that on that explanation. I think the D.C. Circuit is going to rule against Donald Trump on that issue. I'm not exactly sure what the outer limits are. I don't think it's necessarily been litigated. It's not going to be an issue with me because I'm always going to follow the Constitution um, and we're going to we're going to uphold the the best traditions of the office. And and I'm going to be a president you can be proud of. Uh, you know, I think it's important that uh, people be able to look to the president and say, hey, you know, that, that's somebody that's that's worthy of emulating. And so my wife and I, we just view ourselves to try to, to do well for our kids and to make sure they're proud of us. And we set a good example. Uh, so, so that's what we would do in that situation. But I think there's a larger issue Republicans have got to think of. it. Donald Trump's going to lose that appeal. He's going to end up going to trial in front of a stacked left-wing D.C. jury of all Democrats, uh, what are the odds that he's going to get through that? And that's even talking about the, 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 the validity of the charges. I don't think he gets through that. And so what are we going to do as Republicans in terms of who we nominate for president? If Trump is the nominee, it's going to be about January 6th, legal issues, criminal trials. The Democrats and the media would love to run with that. Uh, I'm not running for my issues I'm running for your issues. We need to make this election a referendum on the failures of Joe Biden, the failures of the Democratic Party, and how we have the formula to engineer a great comeback for this country. That's what I would do. Thank you, Governor. You know, the thing about it, though, is that I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a referendum on any of those things. But it doesn't matter because Ron DeSantis is not going to stay in the race long. But the, the hypothetical question about assassinations, because that's where we are right now. We're, we're in this hypothetical world of assassinations. And so the, I will come back to, and this is what I've said before, and I'll come back to this. And this will be the question I asked for John Yu. If the media is so intent on this idea that the president is going to start just killing people, what about the guy who actually did? There's one president in modern history who has ordered the death of American citizens. That was Barack Hussein Obama. B-H-O. He's the one that signed the death warrants of four American citizens. Anwar Al-Awlaki was an American citizen on foreign soil, but still an American citizen. And the president of the United States ordered his death via a drone strike. So if we're all going to have this fun little assassination, fun little fantasy here. And by the way, my method is way more fun, which is the president just gets up there and just starts randomly shooting people from the podium at the State of the Union address. But why don't we talk about the guy who actually did assassinate people? And whether or not he can be held liable in court because there's no statute of limitations on murder. That'll be one of the questions I ask Professor John Yu in just a matter of moments as he joins me next. Right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And uh, we got a lot to chat about. Don't go away. 
Scioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You know, let me jump in here real quick and stop you, Henry, if you don't mind. Stop it right here. Stop Stop at the music. John Yu needs his own walk-up music. He's earned it. He's Philadelphia, Philadelphia guy, and he's a he's one of our own. So before I begin the in- interview with him, I want to ask him right now what what would you what would you like your walk up music to be? You've earned it. Oh come on, anybody from Philly, it would have to be Rocky or Eye of the Tiger, I think. Well, you want Eye of the Tiger? Yeah, how about Eye of the Tiger? All right, That's hang on. Let's, let's, can we get Eye of the Tiger for John? You? Here we go. <clears throat> All right, here we go. He is the Emmanuel S. Heller Professor of Law at the University of California, Berkeley. A former advisor to the President of the United States of America, where he is a constitutional expert. He is Philadelphia's own John Yu. Professor John Yu, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. I like it. From now on, that will be every time you you join me. That's that's what we're going to do for you, okay? You know what's kind of scary is that you had that music immediately available. Well, <laughs> it only uh, took one second. They have a huge repertoire. Our, our, I mean, our illustrious <laughs> staff here, they waste no time. They're on it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, you've been very busy. You've been all over national media. Obviously, the question of uh, this idea of executive immunity is something that you are an expert in. So I'm glad you made time for us. I appreciate it very, very much. First question I'll ask you is if we're going to have all these conversations about charging presidents after they leave office in criminal court, can we charge President Barack Obama with murder for ordering drone strikes against American citizens? That's basically what the Justice Department argued before the D.C. Circuit in the Trump case just a few days ago. They claimed that, yes, you could charge a president. It could be out of office. It could even be for things that the president did within the scope of his duties or her duties. And so uh, I think that goes too far. I think everybody would agree that goes too far. What if Congress, and this is an example with your drone strike case, what if Congress passed criminal laws that were designed to prevent the president from doing his constitutional duty? What if you said, for example, oh, uh, the president, it's a crime for the president to fire a cabinet officer? although he has that constitutional power or it's a crime for the right, for the president to give money you know to support Israel diplomatically or support Ukraine diplomatically so there's got to be a limit i think trump has gone too far by saying everything i do is immune too but everyone's got to agree there's some core of things that presidents do for which they can't be prosecuted out of office after they leave office and I would think that if, if we're going to play this game of, of what you can be prosecuted for, the problem is that the impeachment clause, in my opinion, gets neutered. Uh, you know, clearly the impeachment clause is there for Congress to deal with a president who they believe has abused his power. And for for the Congress to not do something during the president's tenure is in some ways the Congress's way of saying we don't feel that your your actions rise to an egregious level. Let's take the drone strike issue with Barack Obama. You know, he, he orders the assassination of Anwar Awlaki, who's an American citizen. He says he's a terrorist. He signs this memorandum. They kill the guy. Um, there's no due process involved. The ACLU sues. <coughs> Excuse me. If I'm the U.S. attorney now and I get to go back and charge him with the crime of murder, which has no statute of limitations. It, it's 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 so absurd. It really is. It's ludicrous. And I would argue as a defense that Congress did not find it to be problematic. They may have, may have found it to be morally repugnant, but they didn't find it to be problematic, which is why nobody impeached him 
uh, for the offense of it. So how can you now, when the president leaves office, go back in time and say what you did was a federal crime or, or, or a crime of any of state crime, right? whatever. And, and we're going to charge you for that. I mean, it's just it, it, it would it would just make presidents afraid to do their job. That's an excellent point. And that, you know, step aside, step back, I mean, from uh, the nitty gritty of the law for a second. Think about the incentives that this creates. First, you're going to have presidents always worried about what their successors are going to do to them, whether they're going to come after them with the criminal law and prosecutions, which is what we see in banana republics. And then you're also going to have presidents who are going to be thinking about this and then their decision making is going to be warped. They won't do what's right for the country. I happen to believe that Barack Obama ordering drone strikes on al-Qaeda members was morally and legally okay. But do you want Obama or Trump, you know, who ordered a strike to kill General Soleimani uh, of Iran, do you want them to be thinking about criminal prosecution all the time whenever they make any decisions? If they do, they won't be thinking about what they really should be thinking about, which is what is the best decision to protect the security of the United States. Now, you're right, Rich. The whole, the, the, we haven't had this happen before because we had good sense. Presidents, no matter how bad they thought their predecessors were, and they always think their predecessors are bad, especially right. if they're from the other party, they've always let them alone. Because as you said, there, we have impeachment uh, to take care of people while they're in office. And then after they leave office, we've generally left them alone so that we can preserve, as you've pointed out, the ability of presidents to make the right decisions in the future. Yeah, and, and that's all going to go down the drain. I mean, I think if we go down this road, we're going to have almost every president be criminally charged when they leave office because the pre- I mean, you, you were there for all of it. I mean, the, the president sometimes has to skirt the lines. I mean, there's gray areas here that, that, that uh, are, are legal in the sense that they can be justified by lawyers at the time. But that's an opinion that some other lawyer can disagree with down the road and that lawyer being a United States attorney down the road and charging somebody with crimes. I mean, it, it, it just would absolutely mean that whoever is the president when they leave office and if the other party gets in there and appoints U.S. attorneys, then that president is fair game and they'll look into everything that they did. They will find something because it's just going to be this tit for tat where, well, you you prosecuted our guy, so now we got to prosecute your guy. I mean, we've already gotten to this place with impeachment, unfortunately, but but that would be even worse because now you're in criminal court and there's not even the ability of of, of elected leaders to listen to what their constituents want in the matter. You would just have a potentially a jury in the District of Columbia or someplace else. I, I just think it would be a political disaster. We would never, ever get along ever again as a country because mm. it would always lead to prosecutions. Well, there's also to make it doubly worse than even what you're describing is that this former president, Trump, who's being prosecuted, also is the main opponent in right. Joe Biden's reelection, which I also think would be a pro- even if President Donald Trump had never been president before and he was running for us. I don't think presidents today, Joe Biden, should be prosecuting the main candidate of the main opposition party for a crime during the year of the election. I mean, that's another banana republic mistake mm-hmm. that's being made here. So you had, you're, he's compounding there. And the, the, the real problem we have here, I think, Rich, is that you have a failure of leadership because we've never done this before. 
either of these things. You've never prosecuted a past president before, never prosecuted the, the, the candidate running for office in the main opposition party before during the election year. I think if Joe Biden were exercising real leadership, he would say he would stand down the prosecutors, not break with our tradition in history in this country. And just to say, say, look, let's have a straight, and this is the eye of the tiger part, have a straight head-to-head battle. Yeah. You know, vote, let the voters decide in November who they want to be president. Don't try to knock someone out of the court, using the courtroom instead of just going to the ballot box. Now, John, you, you started the interview by saying that you disagree with Trump that everything he does is um, is is not uh, subject to um, uh, to prosecution. Where are those areas where you would say you could prosecute a president after he leaves office? So uh, first, I want to make clear uh, the Supreme Court has never decided this question. Mm-hmm. So to the extent everyone's saying, oh, I know for sure what the laws, that's, that's just not true. The Supreme Court has left this question open. So everyone's just guessing from what the Supreme Court has said before in other cases that aren't exactly this one. Um, and so I think the line, the lower courts, particularly the one in Washington, D.C., which just heard the Trump case, they've basically suggested when the president is acting as a private citizen, that's when they're definitely not immune. And then they've said when the president is running as a candidate for a reelection, we can say that's definitely as a private citizen because it would be illegal for the sitting president to sort of, you know, put all the weight of the president on his side to get reelected. But then the, the, the court there said, we're not exactly sure about what Donald Trump did on January 6th. Was he acting as a candidate or was he acting as president? So even if, and my point here is, even if the courts reject the idea that President Trump has absolute immunity for everything he did as president, he still has space to win. He could still say, look, I wasn't acting as a candidate on January 6th. I was acting as the president. I was fulfilling my duties. And everyone should agree I shouldn't be prosecuted for that. You can prosecute me if I did something illegal as a candidate, but I wasn't acting as a candidate on that day. Right. I was taking care that the laws be faithfully executed, and I was looking into voter fraud, and I was uh, speaking as the president, which I think is really the crux of what his argument is. What about these these ridiculous hypotheticals? Like Congressman Jamie Raskin, this is my favorite. He said... What would stop a president who's getting impeached from ordering the assassination? It's so ridiculous, I can't even say without laughing, of, of two U.S. senators who plan to vote against him and convict him. What would stop a president from having those two senators assassinated? So I'll ask you, John, you, other than the fact that it's just one of the most absurd, ridiculous hypotheticals you've ever heard in your life, what would stop a president from assassinating senators? Just And, I, and from my perspective, I kind of like this. I, I mean, just start randomly shooting members of Congress just to send them a message. Like, don't even try and impeach me. All right. Watch what I'll do. So the uh, the um, I mean, even at the oral arguments uh, earlier this week, Donald Trump's lawyer conceded that the president could be prosecuted in such a case. So what would you know, he said, what will you happen is, you, well, then the, he'd be immediately impeached for that, too. And then once he's impeached and out of office, he could be prosecuted. This is interesting. The Trump side they conceded that if a president was impeached and removed from office that he could be prosecuted for that even if it was within his official duties as president because you say these hypotheticals are so outlandish and have very little to do with what the special counsel is charging donald trump with here right and that's the thing and that's why i thought the judge's questioning was out of line you know having seal team six assassinate a political opponent i mean it's it's ridiculous it's such an absurd hypothetical uh 
and the, and the closest analogy would come to Barack Obama and the drone strikes against an American citizen who he viewed as a terrorist, which, again, and I agree with you. I mean, I I think the president did what he did. Um, whether I agree with it or not, he should not be prosecuted for that. But that's the problem, right? I mean, that's that's this this gray area that we come back to. That actually happened. That's not a hypothetical. He did order those drone strikes and he did do that because he believed they were a threat to the homeland. No Look, different than if a guy something. has a has a has a rifle aimed at somebody in, you know, Center City, God forbid, and the and, and the mayor or the governor, whoever, orders that person to, to be taken out. Or a mayor drops a bomb on a building like, uh, you know, the, the mayor of Philadelphia did many, many years ago. You know, the, to then go back and charge these guys with crimes, it just opens up such a dangerous, dangerous precedent. Yeah. And look, you know, the reason why we have to even, we've never had to think about these questions because no president, I think, ever made the mistake of turning the Justice Department against his predecessor before. Mm-hmm. Again, we might have had presidents who committed crimes. You know, Richard Nixon might have committed crimes. There have been other, Lyndon Johnson might have committed crimes. You know, there might have been, you know, there are people who might think Abraham Lincoln committed crimes. Right. Yeah, but yeah, we've always had the good sense to leave presidents alone because we used to understand they have difficult jobs. And we may disagree with them. It might be over policy, might be over politics, but we've never used the criminal justice system, prosecutors in jails and courts to punish political enemies. And I'm afraid that's what's happened here with this special counsel investigation by Jackson. And and also, let me add, even though we didn't talk about the Georgia prosecution by the state, you know, the county Mm -hmm. DA down there, Fannie Willis, the DA in Manhattan, they're getting they're all piling on. Uh, Obviously, it's all just to harass their political opponent, Donald Trump. We did not used to do things like that. And that's because we had sound people in office who showed restraint rather than trying to press their powers to the extremes. Yeah, so well said. Professor John Yu, Philadelphia's own. I really appreciate your time, my friend. Let's give him his his walkout music as we close out. Uh, An outstanding interview by the Emanuel S. Heller Professor of Law at the University of California at Berkeley. John Yu, Philadelphia's own. Oh, Henry, come on. Come on. You nailed it before. Okay, come on. There we go. Thank you, sir. We will talk again soon, I hope. You have a great rest of your day. You too. It's great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Ooh, a little um, tease by Senator Rand Paul. He plans to endorse for president tomorrow morning. I wonder who he'll pick. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Will, will uh, Ron DeSantis, I'm sorry, Will Rand Paul, excuse me, back uh, Trump or DeSantis? That'll be the question. Find out tomorrow morning. Place your bets. Place your bets. Now, my opinion being the fact that since... The last time that I was at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, he was golfing with Trump. And since two of them agreed on foreign policy matters more than they disagreed, and since Rand Paul is no fan of the war in Ukraine, it will be Asa Hutchinson, right? Very good. He's going to back Asset Hutchins <laughs> for president. Uh, so my, my bet is that Senator Rand Paul will back, um, will endorse Donald Trump tomorrow morning. I may be wrong, but that's going to be my guess. See if I'm right. Place your bets. Place your bets.
And considering as the United States and the United Kingdom are now preparing to strike against the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, as Iran has seized a oil ship in the, I think it was the Gulf of Yemen, uh, we're all right now a tad nervous about the state of world affairs. Iran seizes oil tanker linked to the crisis between the United States and Tehran. Military officials confirm. It's the Gulf of Oman, excuse me. Two U.S. military officials confirmed the Fox News on Thursday. The, the seized vessel, previously known as the Suez Rajan, was once at the center of another dispute between the United States and Iran that ultimately saw the United States seize over one million barrels of Iranian crude oil. Armed Iranian soldiers, <coughs> excuse me, reportedly boarded the vessel Thursday morning. And now the story, <coughs> excuse me, from The Guardian. U.S. and the United Kingdom prepare to launch strikes against the Houthis in Yemen. Experts believe Western allies most likely to target coastal sites in an attempt to halt the spate of Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. I don't doubt that if Nikki Haley's president, there'll they'll be, they'll be a war in the Middle East. I have no doubt about that. I really believe that. I, I mean, you know, given her opinions on Ukraine, I can only imagine. Uh, from Jonah Bromwich, he's the New York Times reporter inside the courtroom covering the Trump civil fraud trial. A couple things here that are important to note. As Andrew Amer, the state lawyer, is explaining it, the case for Trump's intent rests on his responsibility for the annual financial statements. Michael Cohen's testimony and some of the gaps in Trump's own testimony, but thus far, there is no real smoking gun that shows that Trump intended to commit fraud. The evidence is mostly circumstantial. That's from the far right wing New York Times court reporter Jonah Bromwich. He also went on to say the following. Kevin Wallace is back to finish the attorney general's closing argument by talking about punishment for the defendants. The attorney general has asked for a penalty of about three hundred and. $70 million, arguing that that is how much Mr. Trump gained through fraudulent activity. A lawyer for the former president has called that number unconscionable. I agree. And that number is so high, as a matter of course, that this should absolutely be a jury trial. Uh, no question about it. No doubt about it. Here is um, former President Donald Trump last night during his... Uh, actually, I'll get into this in the next segment of the show. I'll get into a, a couple of things he said last night, but... I wanted to just I wanted to share with you this uh, this quick comment here, and it's uh, this one here um, about Nikki Haley. Fox News Lawrence Jones put Nikki Haley on blast to her face during an interview on Fox and Friends this morning. I did not see this live, but I wish I did see it live so I could have seen her face. But uh, I was probably still asleep. Just kidding. My kids get me up, of course, get ready for school. Cut 14. What's your reaction to that, uh, to that uh, caught on tape moment from Governor Chris Christie about you? I mean, look, it's it's not a surprise. These fellows have been talking like that from the beginning when it was 14 candidates and I was at 2%. Um, you know, it's for us, it's always been slow and steady wins the race. It's the people that decide. We have been putting in 11 months of campaigning, not just in one state, but in every state. We've spent our money right. And we focus on relationships with the people on the ground and gaining their trust. And that's why you see this has become a two-person race with me and Donald Trump. And, you know, while everybody else wants to discount us i'll tell you we keep moving and we're moving for a reason governor you, you make the point that 
people need to pay attention to the people on the ground. And, and you've, you're right, you've seen some traction in New Hampshire, but I spent over 300,000 miles uh, in airlines uh, last year talking with voters. And there's just not an appetite for your candidacy amongst average day Republican voters, the base of the party. So what are you gonna do to turn that around? Because I am listening to the people. What is it that you hear from them? I mean, Lawrence, you're listening to a few people in a diner, but I'll tell you that we're listening to, we've done over 150 town halls. We've done over 150 town halls, and we have talked to every person. We've answered every question. We've shaked every hand. We feel good about this. I mean, look, politics isn't personal for me. That's the, that, you know, the fellas might take it personally. It's not for me. We have a country to save. Uh, Lawrence Jones is not wrong. He's he's right. And, and I'm telling you the reason why, because there's this dichotomy that exists in the Republican Party. And I'll tell you what it is to the average Republican primary voter. Me, you, we don't want this war in Ukraine to continue, period. The Republican establishment does. And that's the difference. And that's the exact reason right there. It's why Nikki Haley has the establishment's backing. And it's why the average Republican primary voter does not support her. That's just the reality. That's it. It's Ukraine. Ukraine is the issue. If Nikki Haley was not pro-Ukraine, it would be a much different story. She got a lot of other problems, but that's the big one. And it, but that's also the reason why the establishment's behind her. Because the very same donors and, and money people and the masters of the universe want this war to continue. Because they're getting rich off of it. All this money we're spending and, you know, the, the argument that was made by the president, well, this is an investment in the United States of America because we're mostly we're sending them United States made stuff. That's what I mean. These people don't want to lose that gravy train. But when you go to diners and you talk to people, they'll tell you enough is enough already. Enough. There has to be something. And when they look at the Biden administration tying Israel's hands behind its back and demanding peace talks and then. Ukraine gets to do whatever they want for as long as they want with unlimited money and unlimited weapons from us. People say this is a this is an absolute foreign policy uh, hypocrisy here. And so that is the issue. That is the dichotomy that exists within our party. It's like what I told you about the Democrat Party, the dichotomy that exists there. The Democrat Party writ large nationally wants open borders. And the Democrat mayor of a city in New Jersey or New York or Chicago or whatever who has to deal with it doesn't because they're now dealing with the consequences of what open borders means. Like how they have to kick kids out of school in Brooklyn and tell them to go remote for the day because we have to house illegal immigrants. So that dichotomy exists in that party. But the establishment of both parties, you know, calls the shots. But in the Republican Party, at least, Donald Trump is much more in line with the thinking of what those voters in the diner reflect. And I'll tell you what, there was a very smart guy years ago in Jersey politics, Bob Franks. He was a congressman. He ran for governor, ran for U.S. senator. He used to go to diners all the time, talk to people. That's what he would do. He'd do diner tours. Walk over and say, hi, I'm Bob Franks. Sorry to interrupt your breakfast. Want to say hello. And, and, and it was great. It was very effective because you get the pulse of what people are actually thinking, believe it or not, by going to diners and talking to people. Much more so than you do from listening to what Mitch McConnell has to say on the floor of the Senate. That's the truth. That's the reality. 855-839-1210 is a number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. As we continue the show here today, we got a lot to talk about. A big 5 o'clock hour coming up. And um, hang on one second. 
I have time. I'll do this when I get back. We'll be right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. The court is adjourned with the judge in the Trump uh, civil fraud trial, even though it's not civil. There's nothing civil about this. Making jokes as he wraps it up. Uh, We'll find out if Donald Trump is going to speak as he will exit the courthouse probably momentarily. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And tens of thousands of Chinese nationals crossed the border illegally in a matter of months. What's going on with that? What's up with all these Chinese nationals crossing our border illegally? We'll talk about that. Uh, A doctor blew the whistle on a transgender clinic, and now the feds are going after him. And the prosecutor in the case, Fannie Willis, against Trump in Georgia, uh, splurged on lavish trips along with um, her boyfriend, while that guy's ex-wife struggled financially without any means of financial support, according to court documents. So we'll get into that as well. But let's begin with Ukraine, shall we? Because there's a uh, very damaging report that came out today. That is, uh, we have no idea where a lot of stuff is. A lot of stuff we gave Ukraine. From the far right wing New York Times, United States military aid to Ukraine was poorly tracked, Pentagon report says. Now, the headline, of course, is a pro-Ukraine headline. The better way to write this would be, um, we lost 40,000 weapons we sent to Ukraine. 40,000. The report found that American officials and diplomats had failed to quickly or fully account for all of the nearly 40,000 weapons sent to the front. From the far right wing New York Times, more than one billion dollars worth of shoulder fired missiles. And this is the top story of the day of this hour brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com for that beautiful smile you deserve. I had my cleaning with Dr. Mike yesterday, as a matter of fact. More than one billion dollars worth of shoulder fired missiles, kamikaze drones and night vision goggles that the United States has sent to Ukraine have not been properly tracked by American officials. A new Pentagon report concluded, raising concerns that they could be stolen or smuggled at a time when Congress is debating whether to send more military aid to Kiev. By the way, on a separate note, there is a rebellion going on, thankfully so, among the conservative members of the House. There's not many, but there are some, including our buddy Scott Perry, who are saying we have to deal with the spending. And they are they are openly rebelling against the Speaker of the House who once again is acting like your typical Paul Ryan, John Boehner, Kevin McCarthy speaker, wanting to spend lots and lots of money. So maybe we'll get uh, Congressman Scott Perry back on the show to talk more about that tomorrow, hopefully. Oh, and John Fetterperson. You heard in the news this report about South Africa taking the side of the Palestinians. But let me, before I get into this Ukraine stuff, let me play this clip for you of John Fetterperson. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, my theory is that there was this rumor going on the internet for a while that John Fetterperson had a body double. And there were all these pictures out there showing this person and comparing them with John Fetterperson from years ago and saying this guy's not the same person. 
And I would get these pictures sent to me by my conspiracy friends. And I, I, I mean that with all due respect. We, we joke about that as a thing. Like, if there's a conspiracy anywhere, they know about it. They send it to me. If two particular friends in mind, they will immediately get it to my attention. Not all the time, actually. Sometimes there's stuff that's so, so wacky, they don't even send it to me. But I yell at them for that. I'm like, I want to know. You got to send me everything. I will decide. But anyway, they, for, for months, they were sending me these pictures of John Fetterperson's body double. And this conspiracy was out there. One day, John Fetterman actually addressed it and said, this is ridiculous, the idea that I have a body double. But my theory is he did. He does. And the body double is now John Fetterman. Here's what I mean. If you ever saw the movie Dave with Kevin Kline, it's a great movie. It's very entertaining. So the president in that movie has a massive stroke and the Secret Service goes out at the orders of the White House chief of staff and they get this guy who does a great impression of him and looks like him to act as the president because they don't want to give up his power. And he does what he's told for a while until he eventually decides, hey, listen, first lady is on my side. I can pull this off. I can be the president. And then he starts changing the policy direction of the White House. And the movie is great. It's very good. If you have not seen Dave, of course, you know, like every other Hollywood movie, the ending skews a little left, but it's okay. It's it. it well worth it. Well worth the movie. There's a great scene where they um, they leave the White House through the uh, old tunnel that JFK used to use, apparently, allegedly back in the day to see his gumadas. Uh, and um, they have to get back in through the, through the White House gate. This is back when Pennsylvania Avenue was open for vehicle traffic. And there's a great scene there where they pull up to the gate and the Secret Service, uniform Secret Service agent, says, uh, sir, do you mind if I ask how you got out? And the first lady says the president wanted some ice cream and they pull back in. Anyway, it's a it's a it's a cute movie and a nice little love story. And but the point is that the body double ultimately began affecting policy and took over as the president. I think the same thing happened with John Fetterman. I think we are watching Dave in real life here with John Fetter person. We are. We're watching the movie Dave play out in real life. Because this is what John Fetterperson just said regarding the story about South Africa, what they are doing in their support of, uh, of Pal- the Palestinians. At the very same time, they are waging war on farmers. There, there's this rebellion going on by farmers throughout Europe and other countries around the world. It has not gotten a lot of national news attention here in our country. And perhaps I will be able to touch on it in more detail, which is there's so much going on right here. But. It's happening in Germany. It's happening in France. It's happening in a lot of countries around the world. It's happening in South Africa. We have this rebellion happening um, among farmers. And um, anyway, this is what John Fetterperson's body double uh, said. Who are we? Who are they really fighting? It's a group of cowards. They hide in tunnels. They hide behind civilians. They attack, kill, and mutilate children, women. And they do that? Stop talking about proportion on that. They shot their best shot on October 7th, and they would have taken more lives if they couldn't do that, but they couldn't do it. And now let's also talk about that. Now we're talking about genocide. And now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a a trial. Maybe South Africa being able to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. Uh, and by the way, the German Chancellor Schultz has an approval rating of about 20 percent. 
the the rebellion that's going on there among farmers is is amazing. I, I will get into that in some more detail, but I mean, good for John Fetterperson's body double. Why don't we just call him Dave from now on? Why don't we do that? Just to make it easier. Why don't we just call him Dave? His name might be Dave, for all we know. You know what I mean? Can you find me the clip of John Fetterman denying he had a body double? Just, I just want to, I want to point out that this was the thing that he actually addressed at one point. So my theory is, this is my theory, and I'm not joking about this, although it sounds like a joke, but it's really not. My theory is this. He had the stroke, and he went into the rehab center for his depression, and it was worse than people realized, and he got a body double, and, but he's still there. Like he's like, his body, the actual body of the senator is there, much like how in the movie Dave, the president was there just on an incubator in the, in the White House bunker in the basement. So I think John Fetterperson's body double, who we'll nickname Dave. You guys have seen that movie, right? You've never seen the movie, Dave? I've talked about no. it so many times on this show, and you never bothered to yeah, watch I, it. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten the whole synopsis of just how many times you've talked about it. I don't really, I don't really need to see it. But it's good. It's a great movie. The, the, the best part about that movie is that it really does remind people that power is truly perception. I mean, that's really what power is. Here's the Fetterman body double clip. This is what I mean. This is the... Um, so I'm telling you, this, is, this was not a conspiracy theory. This was a thing... That, I mean, it was a theory, but anyway, take a listen. Hey, everybody, it's me, Senator John Fetterman, and I just want you to know that I'm back and I'm feeling great, 100%. And, you know, during my time during the hospital, the fringy fringies really came up with a conspiracy that I have a, a body double. And I just want you to know that is just crazy. That's not true. And I mean, you know, dude, John, what event am I supposed to be doing this afternoon? Dude, really. And so he had this joke in the video clip with his body double. <laughs> so, so Dave, Fetterperson, <laughs> we'll call John Fetterman and Dave Fetterperson. That's how we'll distinguish between the two. That's what I mean. I just, I, it's just something is different. That's all I'm saying. Something is different. Something is very, very different here. And that's, that's all it is. All right. Um, so this, Ukraine, we lost all this stuff. We have no idea where it went. This is not the first time this has happened. And, and incidentally, it's not in addition to a billion dollars worth of, of stuff just disappearing. This report by the Defense Department Inspector General released on Thursday offers no evidence that any of the weapons have been misused after being shipped to a U.S. military logistics hub in Poland or sent onward to Ukraine's front lines. But it found that American defense officials and diplomats in Washington and Europe had failed to quickly or fully account for many of the nearly 40,000 weapons that by law should have been closely monitored because their battlefield impact, sensitive technology, and relatively small size makes them attractive bounty for arms smugglers. There's not a record of the inventories being done, said the Inspector General of the Pentagon, who is also the lead watchdog for American aid sent to help Ukraine's war effort. It doesn't mean they're not there or they're not being used, he said, but because of their sensitivity, their vulnerability to diversion or misuse or the consequences of that, it's particularly important to have this additional tracking and accountability in place. Now, John Kirby, the Pentagon or the uh, national security spokesperson, was asked about this today. Take a listen. 
There's a new uh, report out from the defense IG that says that American defense officials uh, didn't fully count for nearly 40,000 weapons yeah. uh, that the U.S. provided to Ukraine, sensitive uh, material, uh, small enough to be bartered, um, put on the black market. Does the White House have any reaction, any concern about that report? Certainly, I'd refer you to the Defense Department for a more detailed reaction, but just let me broadly say uh, we have for many, many months now uh, been interested in improving, in improving uh, accountability over uh, the end use of material that is provided to Ukraine. We have had that conversation with our Ukrainian partners, and they share our concerns about uh, accountability. Now, we share their concerns about accountability. Oh, thank you, John Kirby. That makes me feel so much better. The report did not detail exactly how many of the 39,139 high-risk pieces of material that were given to Ukraine were considered delinquent, but it put the potential loss at a billion dollars of the total $1.69 billion worth of the weapons that have been sent. As of last June, the latest data available, the United States had given Ukraine nearly 10,000 Javelin anti-tank missiles. 2,500 Stinger surface-to-air missiles and about 750 Kamikaze switchblade drones, 430 medium-range air-to-air missiles, and 23,000 night vision goggles. It also provided launcher parts for the Javelins and Stingers that were to be kept in stockpiles even after the missiles were fired. Now, most of this stuff you can get on Amazon.com and have it delivered directly to Ukraine. But we decided instead to buy it from our military industrial complex community and have it shipped there. I think we could have saved the shipping costs by just having, we are, the United States of America is an Amazon Prime member. You get two free two-day shipping and you could have had all this stuff sent directly and then it wouldn't have been lost. But that would not have helped the military industrial complex because most of that stuff from Amazon would be, would have been made in China. You know what I mean? So, and it's Fugazi stuff anyway, all those knockoffs. So anyway, so this was the real deal stuff made by our American weapons manufacturers here in the U S you know, like an anti-tank missile. I'm going to guess a javelin anti-tank missile, Matt DeSantis, look this up for me. I'm going to go with the price of that being 50 bucks. And, and Javelin anti-tank missile being 50 <laughs> with tax and shipping, 75 bucks. Can I take the over? Sure. Again, I'm not really good at math. Maz asked me one time <laughs> what he thought. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell this story another time. They're uh, almost $200,000 a piece. $200,000 a piece. Yeah. And who, ma- who makes them out of curiosity? Who makes the Javelin anti-tank missile? I don't know for a fact, but I would guess it's either Raytheon or Lockheed Martin, right? Yeah, and they're based in what? Um, which country? Uh, the U.S. The United States, all right. Uh, what does a um, switchblade drone cost? A kamikaze switchblade drone. Now, I just bought my son a drone. Well, Santa did for Christmas. I got it at Best Buy. It was $100. So I'm going to go with a kamikaze switchblade drone is 100 bucks. Well, you buy them in bulk like that, like 750 You know what I mean? You get a Costco discount or something like that. <laughs> what is the cost of a kamikaze switchblade drone? Uh, looks like those are around $80,000 a piece. $80,000 a piece. It's a good deal. Not bad, right? Okay, fine. How about a uh, medium-range air-to-air missile? You know, if I, you wanted to get a medium-range air-to-air missile, just, you know, asking for a friend. Like, hey, you know. I want to stretch the Second Amendment like the left always suggests, and I want to get some medium-range air-to-air missiles. How much would that run me? 
out of curiosity. Uh, I can't get a great price for you on this one, but it looks like it's in the $400,000 range. Okay, so we can buy one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Night vision goggles. Those are always fun. And I'm guessing these are not the kind of cheap ones you get for kids on Amazon.com. I'm guessing these are military grade. Military grade night vision goggles. What do you think they go for? I'm guessing 100 bucks. Military grade night vision goggles. What do you think? Uh, so you're going 100. You're off by a lot. Uh, it looks like the it looks like the best kind you can get are about $41,000 a, a For set. a freaking goggle? Yeah. But $41,000 for a freaking night vision goggle? Yes. Oh, that they should definitely get on Amazon.com. They're a lot cheaper well, there. Well, there are cheaper versions of it, but if you want the best of the best, they're 41000 If you want a cheaper variety, it looks like you're in the $7,000 range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, there's the Rolls-Royce of, like, night vision goggles for close to $50,000, if that interests you. That does interest me, actually. Okay. <laughs> this is why I wish I, I, wish I had FU money, as they call it. And go buy $50,000 night vision goggles? In a heartbeat. If I had that's FU a, money. That's terrible. 100%. I would. And I would, I'd have people over to my house for a party. And I would hand out all my $50,000 night vision goggles. Your gift to take home with you. And I'd say, put them on. Let's turn off all the lights and just talk to each other in our night vision goggles. That, if I had FU money, that's the stuff I would do. That's a bad purchase. I'd rather have the Switchblade drone for 80 k well, I'm. I, I've already bought that oh, with my FU okay, money. Yeah, okay. no, that's like you know, that's that's what, we, what I would do is I put on your night vision goggles, everybody. Watch my switchway drone take off <laughs> in the dark. And the yes, what well, you have the Rolls Royce of night vision goggles, Matt DeSantis. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, a cynical person, and I'm not by any means a cynical person, could 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 assume that people want the war in Ukraine to keep going because they keep getting to make all this cool stuff and send it over there. And that if you're going to make all this cool stuff, there's not a lot of people that want to buy this stuff just for the FU value of it. Because uh, let's face it, who has FU money in this economy? So you, they, you, you really do need a war going on somewhere for all this stuff to to, to be sold. You know what I mean? Like you need that. And that's where I get into the whole thing about the deep state, the swamp and how they want war and all this stuff. Because in one example, a sample of 303 pieces of equipment sent to Ukraine between February, 2022 and March, 2023, the report found that American officials had accounted for 47 of them while passing through logistics centers in Poland and inventoried 15 that had arrived in Ukraine. By comparison, the report found Ukrainian officials were able to account for 73 pieces of equipment, meaning they were more assiduous assiduous about updating their inventories. The U.S. uh, Inspector General for the Pentagon said the United States officials had impressed the importance of ensuring appropriate accountability for the equipment upon Ukrainian forces. But this comes at a time right now where we're looking to give Ukraine another $61 billion. For example... They had these scanners they were given to Ukrainian forces. They were supposed to give them uh, a lot of them um, handheld barcode scanners. But only 10 had actually made it to the Ukrainian forces and none of them are on the front lines. Now, again, the, the issue here with this stuff is that if the if the stuff doesn't make it there, it's not like we go, oops, oh, well, good luck fighting the Russians. What we wind up doing is just sending them more stuff. That's the beauty of this. 
You know what I mean? That's the beauty of it. It's just, oh, what happened? You lost 43,000 night vision goggles at $40,000 a piece? All right, let's send you more night vision goggles. And if money becomes an issue, then they find $6 billion under the couch. Like, oh, what's this in my pocket? Like, the other day, I, um, I put on a pair of pants I hadn't worn since last winter. These pants I have on right now, as a matter of fact, they were, li- they were a little bit heavier, and so I put them away, you know what I mean? And I broke them out the other day. And I found $20 in my pocket. Imagine, that's like $6 billion in the Pentagon terms. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, what's in here? Hey, they, oh, we got, Ukraine needs more money? Um, has anybody checked their pants? Oh, whoa, what do I have here? I have a dry cleaning receipt. I have a candy wrapper and $6 billion. Great, let's send it over to them. Kind of like that. Here's Nikki Haley um, going on about why the importance of the United States of America to continue in Ukraine. And this is why the establishment is solidly behind Nikki Haley from last night's uh, debate. Take a listen. Real quick, the real difference between you and Governor DeSantis and Donald Trump right now is the stance on the need to back the Ukrainians against the Russians. Where do you stand and what are your thoughts about Governor DeSantis saying it's a territorial dispute? DeSantis is completely wrong on this. This is not the time to get weak in the knees on Russia, which is what he's doing. This is the time to understand that the reason that Russia is trying to get our drones is because we've had weakness. The reason is because they hear this conversation. It's that same mentality that got us into the situation that we're in with China. We need to be forceful. Biden should have already, when that drone went down, Biden should have put two drones up there. We need to get our naval fleet back in the Black Sea. It never should have come out in the first place. So she's all in and they, you know, the people that get rich off making night vision goggles, <laughs> they love her. All right. They love her. Uh, Johnny Cook, let's do a quick social media check in on our friends at Cherry Hill Vavo. Uh, Johnny Cook says, uh, be careful, Rich. Those Javelin missiles can put your eye out. Very good. Uh, Sid sent a link here. Zihau night vision goggles, adult night vision binoculars, military digital infrared goggles with night vision, eight-time optical zoom for dark environments with a link to Amazon.com. Sid, this is made in China. Crap, you know that, right? $229. But I may just buy this for the hell of it because I have an Amazon credit and I may just do it. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely have to buy them. I mean, these look awesome. True IR night vision binoculars. These are great. Binoculars or goggles? Well, that's a great point, Henry. Are they binoculars or goggles? Like I, I think they're both. I think yeah. they. I think they're. I think they act as eight times optical zoom, so they're both. Like when I think of night vision goggles, I want to be able to like wear them. I don't want to have to like hold them up to my face. No, you're, you're, you you wear them, and then the question is how. See, like, can you see into your neighbor's house with night vision goggles? <laughs> that is not my question. That is yours. I'm just asking the question for a friend. <laughs> Yeah, if you buy those, you're definitely going to end up on a list. <laughs> right. If you buy these on Amazon, Sid, with all due respect, you're definitely on the list. If, if you're if you if you have if you're if you've got a Betsy Ross flag and you're buying night vision goggles, the FBI is definitely showing up at your door at some point. <laughs> uh, N.P. Bick says, I love that Matt DeSantis and Henry always fact check Rich about Castro being Trudeau's old man. But Fetter person's body double conspiracy flies. That's true. That's a great observation, actually. That's a great observation by N.P. Bix on Twitter. I do get called out, not Henry, but DeSantis, the sanctimonious over here, well, always calls me out about Trudeau. 
Yeah, well, I feel like the Fetterman body double story is so ridiculous that no one believes that it's true. Henry? The Trudeau thing is Henry? a too uh, close for comfort. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of buying it the more Rich talks about Thank it. Thank you. No, you're not. <laughs> Thank you. No, you're not. He is. I mean, I still got my own theories, but- He thinks a six-foot, what is that, a ten-foot alien landed in no, Florida I, last I don't, year. No, I don't think that happened. No, I don't. I don't think that happened, so don't put words Wait, in Wait, you mind. don't think that happened? Because no. I have that story from the New York Post I know, today. I know, I know. It's a, it's a Fugazi. What's the story? What, it's Fugazi? Yeah. What, what, what was the story? Uh, story is that there is a bunch of teenagers yeah, causing- Yeah, yeah, General Fugazi. <laughs> Fugazi. But anyway, what happened? Uh, there's a, the story goes there's a bunch of teenagers causing a, a ruckus down at the Miami Mall, and they had to call like 60 squad cars to come break it up. But, you know, apparently the real reason was that there was a, a 10-foot-tall alien mm. uh, that came down and did something or nothing, I guess. But no one's got a good video of it. Like there's some alleged video of it, you know, like almost like a helicopter bird's eye view of something walking. I, I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. Interesting. And Henry is usually if there's somebody who's going to buy something like that, it's usually Henry. He thinks the moon's made of cheese. I do like some cheese. I like some cheese, too. Is it good, good camembert? <laughs> good goat? I feel like it's got to be something like hard, hard cheese. Something earthy, nutty. <clears throat> well, I'm about. Uh, I'm all about the buffalo mozzarella, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I now that I have my pizza oven in place, thanks to my buddy Rick Greco, I really owe him a lot. He's my he's my landscaper, you know, Eastern Environmental, and he came over and he did it for me, helped me out with this. It was huge. And um, Tom, I'll talk more about Tom, who is the 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 project manager of this. My buddy Tom, who's also building my home studio for me. I'll talk more about him. But when I fire up the pizza oven. Eventually, Steve, who's the plumber, has got to come back and do the gas line. He's a listener of the show as well. So all these people are listeners. You understand? These are my friends. And when I fire that pizza oven up, I will only put buffalo mozzarella on that pizza. You understand? Because that's how they do it in Italy. That's the real deal. It's not a fugazi. And that's how we're going to do it the real way, the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General fugazi. No, 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 no. Cow mozzarella is fugazi. Got it? What Any questions? Shredded mozzarella. I like my pizza with some shredded mozzarella. Can't use shredded no, mozz in got... a wood fire pizza oven because it'll get dry. It'll dry out. Uh, That's the problem. It's yeah, got all that stuff on it too. Those preservatives, like shredded out of the bag. Well, it's got plastic, mean? right? Plastic. I mean, I got a story in my show sheet today about all the plastics in food. I imagine it's probably got a lot of plastics, microplastics, well, right? Like the pre-shredded cheese that you get from a bag. There's like a waxy coating on it, so it's not like the best for melting. If you want like a melted cheese, you should like grate it yourself. You have to use for a wood fire pizza oven because it gets so hot. You have to use um, wet mozza- mozzarella. You have to oh, use that. Interesting. Otherwise, it'll get it'll dry out. Because remember, the pizza's cooking in ninety seconds. You, if you follow the true the the way that they, the Napolitana you know standards, it's like a. It's like an actual thing. The pizza has to cook in 90 seconds. The dough can only be made of four ingredients. You have to use buffalo mozzarella, and you have to use uh, tomatoes from, you know, Mount Vesuvius. What is it? The um, San Marzano. <laughs> no, really. Vesuvius. That's the region. Yes. San Marzano tomatoes. I know there was I so do much the Cento, Cento San Marzanos, which are great. And then you, and you've got to put basil. Like the, you, there's strict standards you have to follow, you understand. You can't just throw the... It's like willy-nilly. You don't just buy dough at a pizzeria and throw it in there with some shredded cheese. Did It'll ever, dry the crap out of it. Do you ever feel lazy and just throw an Elio's brick in there? 
Well, so Maz uh, told me one time he will only come to my house if I don't make pizza because I, I wind up being out there so much making pizza. And he looked at me one day, he goes, you know, you can order these things now, right? <laughs> pizza, like they'll bring them to your house. Said, yeah, but not like this. They won't. Not like this. All right, 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, I have to thank my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo because how to bring in the car in for the regular maintenance. You know, when you've got the lease, you bring it in for the regularly scheduled maintenance, and they take great care of it. My buddy Kellen, my man, Kellen Poole, who's the service guy who uh, always helps us out. And um, I'm driving a, uh, a Volvo courtesy car right now as the car is getting the maintenance done. Just regularly scheduled, no, you know, nothing major or anything like that. But these courtesy cars are great because they're beautiful and they're low mileage and you can buy one for under $29,000. That's right. Volvo's having a special right now on the S-Class. Volvo S-Class for under $29,000, these courtesy cars, they have less than 5,000 miles on them and they're beautiful. They're, they're the cars they give you as a loaner or the car they'll use to pick somebody up for valet. Beautiful cars and they're in pristine condition and less than 5,000 miles. And for under $29,000, this is a no-brainer. The S-Class, these are their beautiful sedans. They're made in South Carolina, so they're made in America. Great, beautiful, fast, latest technology on there. It's all on board. It's great. I love it. And you'll love it, too. And Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer at Philly in South Jersey, right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team would love to help you. I saw my buddy Yosef today, too, as I went over there to the dealer. He's a great guy. and. You know, he's a, a veteran. He was served in the Israeli military. Terrific friend. Great guy. Uh, so go see them today. Right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. $29,000 for a Volvo S60 courtesy car with less than 5,000 miles. It's, it's a no-brainer. What are you waiting for? Go see them today. You'll love the treatment. You'll love the service. You'll love the staff. And you'll love the way that they will ensure your satisfaction. Because that's what it is about Cherry Hill Volvo. At Cherry Hill Volvo, relationships matter the zioli show on your schedule from talk radio 1210 wpht in the free odyssey app we got a lot to get to and we only have a short time to get there so let's get right into it 855-839-1210 on twitter at rich zioli here's a little highlight reel of uh trump from yesterday's town hall meeting i want to thank uh well, my buddy Michael Pelka was the one who retweeted this originally, but it was put together by a person on Twitter by the name of, let's see if I can find it, uh, Mr. Reagan, at Mr. Reagan USA. His favorite moments from the Trump town hall last night with Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. Take a listen. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christie better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We have no choice. We have no choice. You know, um, thank you. I don't get eight million dollars for doing nothing like Hunter. I don't get I don't get five hundred thousand dollars. I don't get five hundred thousand dollars for doing a painting. It's not a bad idea, I guess, if you can get away with it. DeSantis, I don't know what he really believes because, you know, you never know with a politician and he's just another politician as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. Uh, There are questions about how much a second term of a Donald Trump presidency, second term, would be about retribution and looking backwards and grievances and how much would be looking forward. 
I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, and remember this. Our ultimate retribution is success. Okay. <clears throat> Let me share this clip with you from uh, the town hall meeting last night. This is um, Trump reacting to Chris Christie's decision to drop out. And, and he mentions the hot mic moment. I, I told you that that hot mic moment yesterday where Christie said she's going to get smoked. She's not up to this. That became the big story. And it's why he blew his chance to be able to, to throw his people, his support to Nikki Haley. And if Nikki Haley were to somehow win New Hampshire, he could take credit for it and ride the Haley train. But that hot mic moment destroyed that. I mean, Nikki Haley will say nice things about him publicly, but she, I mean, the idea of him being by her side is, is now a dead issue, I think. Uh, cut number nine. That was the big news uh, late today. The former governor of New Jersey dropped out of the race in New Hampshire. You saw it there. Uh, there's a lot of speculation now that there could be a combining of forces of the people who supported him. He had about 12 percent there. And by some estimates, you're ahead by an average of 14 in the real clear politics average polling in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. So if, if that 12 goes to Nikki Haley, she could give you a run for your money there. Well, you know, you have Democrats in New Hampshire and they vote and you have independents in New Hampshire in large numbers and they vote. And I have polls that show me leading by a tremendous amount in New Hampshire and a lot in Iowa and nationwide. We're leading by almost 60 points. So I'm not exactly worried about it. I understand New Hampshire very well. I've won it twice and did very well with New Hampshire. I love the people. They love me, I think. Uh, we did a good job for New Hampshire economically and even from the standpoint of the military, taking care of the vets. And I think we're going to do very well in New Hampshire. Now, you know, Chris Christie was uh, in and uh, he got a hot mic I heard about. I thought actually the biggest story wasn't the fact that he dropped out. Nobody cared too much about that. But he had a hot mic where he was talking to somebody about uh, the weather, and he happened to say that she doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the in the election. And I mean, I know her very well, and I happen to believe that Chris Christie's right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's the problem here for Christie is that 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 hot mic moment blew it for him. I mean, I told you yesterday it happened live during the show, and it was I I I still have a hard time believing it happened. I mean, re- honestly, true. I still have a hard time believing it happened. For, for, for a guy who's so politically smart, this whole presidential campaign by him has been an epic disaster. I mean, it's been an absolute disaster. What does he gain from any of this? Nothing. Nothing. And he doesn't even now have a horse to back that he can say will re- that will, could redeem him. Why, if you're Nikki Haley, why would you want him around? He brings you nothing outside of New Hampshire. You, you just trashed me on a hot mic. Why would I want you around after this? Cowboys tickets. <laughs> a signed orange sweater by Jerry Jones. <laughs> That's what he wore, right? The orange sweater. Yeah, I think so. When he gave him the hug. Ugh. Was it orange or red? I think it was red. red. Was it red? Remember Justin Franiac? Remember him? Yeah, I talked to him all the time. Well, tell him I said hello. I love that guy. At Wing Bowl years ago, when we still had Wing Bowl before um, Wokasi canceled it, he they reenacted that segment, and he was Christie in that, and he wore the the sweater, <laughs> and they had somebody dress up as Jerry Jones, and he gave him a big hug. That was great. I think that might have been the last Wing Bowl, actually, the last Wing Bowl. It disappeared right before the Me Too movement. 
it, the exit timed out perfectly. I think uh, technically it timed out with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl because wasn't that Cataldi's thing? If the yeah. Eagles ever won the Super Bowl, they wouldn't have to hold Wing Bowl anymore. I think so. Yeah, but they, that was the excuse. Yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> they couldn't bring it back. Let's face it, Wokasi canceled that for other reasons. Yeah, besides, let's <laughs> come on, stop. <laughs> I'm not buying that excuse because yeah. I, I assume it was a a high earn, earning event. It was a huge event. Remember, people would start, they'd park it, and they'd start drinking at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Companies back in the day used to rent suites for Wing Bull at the Wells Fargo Center. Imagine that renting out suites. And of course, it was it was live during the morning show on WIP, the Angelo Gataldi show. So they would start at 6 a.m. and it would go till 10 a.m. All of the uh, gentlemen's clubs in the cities would participate. <laughs> and, and 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 they would all have specials post wing bowl. So after the after wing bowl, you'd go and you Delilah's or whatever, and you'd spend the day there. They'd have specials, and it was it was a whole thing. Wing bowl. I was born too late. Born too late. The good old days, as we say. Wells Fargo was packed too. Every seat was taken. Every, I, there was not. I mean, it was. I went a couple times. One time. <laughs> I, I almost got into a fight with somebody. Just I, I actually bumped into somebody by mistake, and this guy was loaded. And it was 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, I'm sorry about that. I apologize. And he got right in my face and was like, you want to go, bro? It's like, no, I'm good. I'm, I actually have to. <laughs> I got stuff to do. But anyway, so uh, Christy, Christy blew it. There's no reason for DeSantis to have him or Nikki Haley to have him around now. Maybe he'll end up, though, well, Simone Sanders from MSNBC has a point. Wouldn't be surprised if you saw Chris Christie at this place coming up, cut 13. Sort of like, "Mm, I hear what Chris Christie is saying, but he was with Trump before. And I do believe this is the first time we've heard him so clearly say that. Joe Biden won in 2020 with a very particular coalition. It was not an Obama coalition. Mm -hmm. It was a Biden coalition. That Biden coalition included base Democratic Party voters. It included progressives with whom are on the other side of the president for a number of things. Uh, Even the president would say he's the most progressive president ever. They still are not necessarily with him, but they voted for him and got we ended on that on that coalition, independent voters and moderate Republicans. Mm-hmm. Cindy McCain was out there on the campaign trail for Joe Biden in 2020. And as the chairman knows also well, uh, the campaign at that time made a concerted effort. I was an advisor on that campaign, a concerted effort to yeah. court that block. Chris Christie, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you saw him at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago this summer. She may not be wrong. No, I don't think he'll do that. But um well, he may as he may go. I mean, what does he do? He's, he needs a job. So I guess he goes back to ABC. I don't know. Uh, Trump was asked a question if he would leave NATO last night when he was on Fox News Town Hall with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Cut number 10. Would you be committed to NATO, for example, in a second Trump term? Depends if they treat us properly. Look, NATO has taken advantage of our country. The European countries took advantage of, uh, I want to use the word starting with an S, but I don't want to do it because I see some young, very good looking children in the audience and I assume they're watching on television. But they took advantage of us on trade and then they took advantage of us on our military protection. Of the 28 countries at the time, only eight countries were paid up. We were paying the difference. And I went to them, I said, if you don't pay, we're not going to protect you. And they said, do you mean that? I said, I mean that. And the next day, billions of dollars poured into NATO. The reason they have money right now to prosecute what they're doing 
with helping Ukraine is because of the money I got them. So, you know, peace through strength. The other the other question that was uh, asked last night was about the uh, the China virus, where it came from. Of course, you know, I disagree with President Trump on this. I maintain this virus came from an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries and a raccoon dog aioli. But that's just me. Cut number 11. When we had just prior to the China virus coming in, if you don't mind, I'd like to be accurate as opposed to COVID. It is the China virus. It came out of Wuhan. And I said a long time ago in your show, your show it came out of Wuhan. They were saying it came out of caves, bat caves, 2,000 miles away. It came out of Italy. It came out of France. No, it came out of Wuhan, the labs. And I don't. And by the way, I don't think it was done. Purpose. I think it was done out of incompetence. That's what I think. I believe that a scientist went out, said hello to his girlfriend, and that was the end of that. She died, and then people started dying all over the place. But who knows? Who knows? I can tell you one thing. I got along with President Xi, but I took in $400 billion in tariffs and taxes from China. And one of the reasons China's not doing so well today is because of those tariffs. And Biden wants to cut them. You know, he got paid off by China after all, so he wants to help the people that gave him a lot of money. But he, you know, he's a Manchurian candidate in a true sense. He got money from China. He got money from Russia. You remember the debate where Chris Wallace, how is he doing, I wonder? But Chris Wallace, <laughs> when, I said, when I said to Biden, I asked him a question. I said, how come you got $3.5 million from the mayor of Moscow's wife? And Chris Wallace wouldn't let me ask me. I said, why are you stopping this? Now it's turned out to be a big deal. He got three and a half million dollars from the mayor of Moscow's wife. I tell you this, uh, we're going to have a success that's so great that I won't have. Hopefully I won't have time for retribution. There won't be retribution. There'll be success. Uh, the um, the issue of immigration obviously came up. Trump last night said we're going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We have no choice. At one point, Democrats agreed with this position. Now, though, they have a much different take on it, which I will share with you momentarily why they're just being so brazen at this point about their support for open borders. And one New York congresswoman saying the quiet part out loud, very, very out loud, I should argue. But here's what Trump said last night on this issue. uh, Cut 12. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable did you see in new york city with it getting the regular students out and they're putting migrants in their place we are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country we're bringing everybody back to where they came from we have no choice we have no choice ah you do have a choice mr president because congress is going to fight you on this because the democrats are not holding anything back nothing Here is a New York congresswoman by the name of Yvette Clark. And she says New York can absorb the massive influx of illegal immigrants. And she needs them, by the way. She needs them. She's openly advocating this. She's she's saying the quiet part out loud as we say. Cut 17. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. We have a diaspora that that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And, I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could, could clearly uh, fit here. Let's understand what she's saying here. This is why Congressman Tom Massey has proposed an amendment to the United States Constitution 
that says redistricting can only be apportionment, can only be U.S. citizens as part of the count. So every 10 years, as per the Constitution, we do a census, as you know. And we use that number to apportion congressional districts. There are only 435 seats in the House of Representatives. That number's fixed. So you have to spread that out among 350 million Americans. And to do that, sometimes states get more seats, sometimes states get less. The, the plot here, the, the, the plot by the left, is to flood the zone of red states with illegal immigrants for the purposes of taking over power. And to flood the zone of blue states for the purposes of getting more seats in the House. Because, yes, those illegal immigrants are counted as part of the congressional apportionment. So what she's saying here is that her district, for example, you know, all the people that are moving out of New York, all the people that are moving out of New York State because it's so expensive. Well, that means New York could lose a congressional seat. And if that happens, what they do is they redraw the map and then some people, you know, someone's going to lose their seat in the House of Representatives and then they, they figure out who and then they move it around and they give, you know, this person gets that town and that person gets that town and that's sort of, and they, they change the makeup of the districts. But if you flood the zone with illegal immigrants and you count those people towards your number for apportionment, you may gain a seat in the House of Representatives. And also, by the way, you gain another electoral vote because the dirty little secret is, of course, is that the electoral votes are based on the number of seats you have in the House and your two U.S. senators. That's why a state like Montana only has three electoral votes. Wyoming only has three because it has one member of Congress, Hawaii, who's voted at large statewide. And that's it. But California has whatever the number is, I think 46, 48 electoral votes, whatever it is, Texas, New York. I mean, the, the, those are the big three. And for Texas's purposes, they want illegal immigrants to, be, to stay in Texas so that they'll vote Democrat and they can eventually change the power dynamic in that state. And then they also want the illegal immigrants to go to New York so they can maybe potentially pick up another seat in Congress. And with it, more electoral votes, more electoral power. Um, and they're not hiding this anymore. Here's uh, Congressman Benny Thompson. Actually, when I come back, let me take a quick break. I'll come back. A major confession by Congressman Benny Thompson that, yes, this is all about open borders. Yes, it's all about open borders. Plus, the attorney general of New York State slams Donald Trump. He slams her back. I got that for you. And uh, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, is back, this time preparing for disease X. I'll share those details with you as well. But this new year, it's time to finally lose that weight and the safe and natural way with NJ Diet. Their results are nearly twice as fast as weight loss injections and without any of those nasty side effects. With NJ Diet, you will lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days, contractually guaranteed. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get you into the fat burning zone. Then NJ diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. Don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days, naturally, quickly, and safely with NJ diet. No hormones, no shots. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number 855-5NJ diet or njdiet.com, njdiet.com. 
Bridge Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Back in court today, Donald Trump in court, uh, Hunter Biden in court. The chaos of 2024 is well underway. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 is the number. Uh, lots to get to this hour, including the World Economic Forum is uh, planning for another pandemic. Uh, by the way, let me just address this. A couple of people pointed this out to me regarding something Trump said last night and uh, about DeSantis. He said he was uh, Fauci's favorite governor. That, of course, is not true. It's not accurate in the least. I don't think we have a clip of that, but uh, not accurate in the least. I mean, look, I- I've said this before. Governor DeSantis, his handling of COVID was outstanding. And President Trump made mistakes during COVID, like he made throughout his entire four years of president, which is to listen to the bureaucrats. And he's learned from that in a big, big way. But it's not fair to attack DeSantis because Governor DeSantis's handling of COVID was was outstanding. I mean, we all we all looked to him and thanked him and appreciated him, and he and a couple others were were outstanding in their handling of covid and i'm not being critical of trump here i'm simply saying that you know his mistake was listening to people like fauci and i think he's learned it's the same thing with listening to people like reince priebus the all the you know the establishment people he had around him and don't make these same mistakes again you know that's the bottom line but no that's it's it's factually incorrect to say that he was fauci's favorite governor that's just incorrect Fauci's favorite governor during COVID would have been either King Philip the Unaccountable or it would have been, you know, the love gov, Andrew Cuomo, or potentially Tom Wolf. I mean, all three of these tyrants, Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom, I mean, all these people killed people in nursing homes, locked down their citizens, forced their kids to be remote, destroyed businesses, and went above and beyond even what the, what the saint, Santo Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, was saying. But uh, DeSantis was fighting all that. DeSantis pushed back against all of that. And DeSantis reopened Florida much sooner than most states did. I think the only exception might be North Dakota. But anyway, it's, you know, it's politics. You're going to take shots at people. I get it. Very soon, I think this is all going to end. You know, very soon, I think DeSantis is going to be backing Trump. So all this will go away. But in the meantime... Since several people have asked me, will you please clarify that point? I'm happy to. Trump is incorrect when he said that he was Fauci's favorite governor. That is categorically false. And I think that Florida, and this is why I've said Ron DeSantis is one of the best governors the country's had. He's outstanding. I remember when, when he won as governor, he called into Rush Limbaugh's show, and he said that he was a graduate of, the, uh, of Russia's Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies. And I have not said negative things about DeSantis. I don't want to. There's no need to. He's not going to be in this race much longer. 
All I've said is that he's not going to win the nomination. And I think he's got a great chance for 2028. I think he's got a lot to offer the party. I'm not saying he's going to be the front runner. It's too far out. I can't. It's a billion years away in politics. But if he handles the next couple of weeks right, which is that he loses New Hampshire, which he's going to do, and he loses Iowa, which he's going to do. And then if he comes out and he supports Donald Trump for president, he will put himself in a very good position for 2028. I, I'm not saying he'll be the guy. I'm not saying that, that, uh, that all of Trump's people will support him. I'm saying he will be absolutely putting himself in a good position. No question about it. So there you go. As for Haley, I am terrified of where this is going. And this is the big story of the day today brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. It's very obvious, and I've spent most of the show on this, that the uh, establishment is behind her because of her support for Ukraine. That's not going to change. And it'll probably be a two-person race all the way to the convention. And this is the way I see it playing out. I'll tell you how. I don't see Trump picking her as his running mate. I see DeSantis getting out after Iowa and backing Trump smartly. Very smart decision. I hope he does that. He should. And it would be a... Like Vivek Ramaswamy put out a video last night, which was just silly, suggesting that Nikki Haley is a puppet of the establishment, which is correct. But then suggesting that DeSantis will back Haley and that he has no choice. That's no, stop. Stop it. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, DeSantis will back Trump. He should. If he doesn't, that's I mean, that's it. 2028. You can write that off. Goodbye. The establishment is not the same as the Republican primary voter. It's different. You know, the Republican primary voters are the ones that Lawrence Jones was referencing earlier. They don't want Ukraine. They don't want it. But it's the establishment that does. And they're behind Nikki Haley and they're going to be with Nikki Haley as long as they have money and they have money. So it doesn't matter if she doesn't get a lot of delegates. It doesn't matter if she gets any delegates. They'll keep her into the convention, hoping that something will change. Something external will happen and externality will force Trump out of the race. And then she will be the, the nominee. And the Democrat establishment is going along with that and helping her in places like New Hampshire. Played you the clip earlier of the voter in New Hampshire who said, you know what, since Joe Biden's not running, I figured I'd throw my support to Haley. But look, you know, this battle between Trump supporters and um, the Santa supporters at this point, I'd say you can tone it down. I've been telling you this for months, but you can tone it down because the this is almost over. You know, the establishment decided that Early on, there were a lot of people who thought DeSantis could be the Trump killer. And he he isn't and he can't. And the establishment was behind him. The money people were. And now they've switched to Nikki Haley. He will come home to his MAGA base in due time. So if you're actively fighting with somebody on Twitter over DeSantis, you can stop. You don't need to anymore. New Hampshire and Iowa have effectively decided. That Trump is the nominee. And this primary is over. It really is. It's over. It'll be a two-person race and Trump will win. And Haley will stay in on the off chance that he can't be on the ballot. On the, and DeSantis will not do that because he's smart enough to know that that's not going to happen. And all he will do is hurt himself with Trump's voters. And if he wants a future in 2028, that's what he has to do. Haley is not. It's different. You know, the people around her are outlining a convention scenario where she gets to the convention and something happens and she becomes the party's nominee. And as long as there's people writing checks, 
A candidate can stay in the race as long as they want. As long as they want. I mean, they can stay until November. They won't be the party's nominee, but they can stay in the race. There's no law against it. It's not like the law says you lose New Hampshire, you lose Iowa, you got to drop out. But smart politicians figure out this stuff early and see the writing on the wall. But she's in a different spot. She doesn't have to win delegates. She doesn't have to rack up delegates. She will be looking for something to occur that puts her into the nomination at the convention. That's how I see it play out. And maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, the the whole, you know, Trump versus Santa's thing, thankfully, will be ending soon. So if you are caught in the midst of this and fighting with your friends on Twitter or Facebook over this, you can rest happily knowing that the end is near, as they say, or nigh. The end is nigh. Uh, and speaking of Trump, he, so Letitia James, the attorney general, came out and attacked him today outside the courthouse in New York. Let's see. If Ron drops out after Iowa, that's a disaster for Haley in New Hampshire because all his supporters will probably go to Trump. Oh, yeah, I think so. hundred percent. I think I think DeSantis supporters go to Trump without question. I think without question. Not all of them, but most of them do. The, the, the bulk of them do. A lot of them like Trump and they just like his policies. They just thought DeSantis was more electable. You know, the, the, the people that I've spoken to who are DeSantis supporters early on, just they like Trump's policies. They just think that Trump is unelectable. I told them I think they're wrong because I think whoever the Republican nominee is can win. But that's really their reason for backing DeSantis. It was that it was that he they, they viewed him as the more electable of the two. So, yeah, I think most of them will go to Trump. No question about it. He, does he drop out after Iowa? Or does he drop out after New Hampshire, though? That's the question. The Iowa caucus is in four days. My sources tell me he drops out after Iowa. Because that that's the better play for him. Right. You drop out after Iowa. You throw your support to Trump and you crush Haley in New Hampshire. And then unlike Chris Christie, (laughs) who blew it and could have been able to take credit if Nikki Haley won New Hampshire, Ron DeSantis can be on the stage with Trump the night that Trump wins the New Hampshire primary. And yeah, he can take credit for that. He can help. I mean, say he could. I'm saying take credit for it, but you know what I mean? He can. And Trump's like that. You know, that's the kind of guy Trump is. Trump Trump will absolutely welcome DeSantis on the stage with him and thank him. And and that'll be like it never happened. That's just the way he is. It'll be like it never happened. You're on his team now. That's it. This is what he did with Christie in 2016. I mean, don't forget, you know, he there's this great clip of Trump out there going on about how Christie knew about Bridgegate. <laughs> so funny. Right. In 2016, before Christie backed him. And this whole clip of Trump, it might have been 2015, actually, going on about how Christie knew. He knew, totally knew about Bridgegate. But but it doesn't matter. Once you come on board with somebody, unless you have a stupid hot mic moment like Christie did last night, all's forgiven. It's okay. They may, they will forget. I had a, 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 a political mentor once when I was very young, told me a great line. He said, in politics, you forgive, but you never forget. I think that's very accurate. Maybe in life, too. You forgive, but you never forget. But in politics, it's particularly true because you, you always have to remember who you're dealing with. And like Christie, for example, remembers I, this guy. He's got he's he holds grudges from people from, I kid you not, 1995. I'm not joking. I mean, it goes back that far with him. He's 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 got miles of grudges, Christie. Yeah, Ron is getting killed in New Hampshire. He's at six and a half percent. So, yeah, no, I mean, look, I. <laughs> I think if you are right now engaged, 
with, with battling a DeSantis supporter. If you're a Trump supporter, battling a DeSantis supporter on Twitter. I'd say do something else with your time. Make homemade mozzarella, for example, which is a joy to do. All you got to do is get some curd. Get some curd and some hot water and some salt. Easy to do. A lot of fun. Do something else because this is almost over. He, I, I think the way this plays out is he loses Iowa. And that night when Trump wins Iowa, he comes out and supports Trump. And then he campaigns for Trump in New Hampshire. Trump wins New Hampshire. And he's on the stage with them. And all's forgiven. And all the battles that you've had, this is what I told you when DeSantis got in the race, all the battles you've had with people over this were sort of unnecessary because this is kind of how it played out. And it wasn't, this didn't happen because of your Twitter battles. This happened because, and I said this months ago, you don't know how somebody's going to do on the national stage until they're on the national stage. Everybody thought Scott Walker was was going to crush it like he did in Wisconsin. And he did not crush it. He got on the national stage and he, you know, was low energy. So you don't know until you get on that national stage how you're going to be received. It's one thing to crush it in your state. Totally different animal to crush it on the national stage. So I, I just said months ago to people, the advice I gave was just be careful here. You know, don't destroy friendships over this. It's not this will play out the way it's going to play out. And we are way too early here. This was after DeSantis got in on that stupid Twitter spaces thing that he did that was such a disaster. I don't know who the hell advised him to do that. And if my prediction holds by next week, you and your friends will be making up and all will be well in Kumbaya. And then you can turn your attention to fighting Nikki Haley. <laughs> and I don't, I, don't, I don't think Trump picks her as his VP. I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. I really don't. I know I've, I've, I've heard people say that, but I just don't say it. They're so far apart on the foreign stuff. I can't. I just don't see it. And I don't, I don't see what he brings, what she brings to him. On the, I don't see that. And I don't think the establishment would let it happen either. Because I think the establishment keeps her in, like I said, as long as possible. This is the, this is the Ted Cruz scenario from 2016. You stay into the convention and see what happens and ride the wave and you know, maybe something occurs. I don't see any scenario where Trump picks her. I don't see any scenario where she gets out of the race. But DeSantis is much more politically astute. And maybe I'll be wrong. But <laughs> do you want to bet against me with my track record? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, all right. What else do I have for you? Oh, so this is Letitia James going after Trump today outside the courthouse in New York. Take a listen. This is our um, last day in our case against Donald Trump for persistent and repeated fraud, illegality. This case has never been about politics or personal vendetta or about name calling. This case is about the facts and the law. And Mr. Donald Trump violated the law. And as you know, the judge has already found that he, in fact, violated the law for repeated fraud over a period of years. And so I want everyone to know that the personal attacks really don't bother me. The fact is, is that this trial has shown and we have produced evidence about the scope 
the scale, the depth, the breadth of the illegality, the fraud that impersonally enriched Donald Trump and his family. I want to thank the judge. I want to thank my team. I really want to thank opposing counsel. Uh, but at the end of the day, the point is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how rich you are, that no one is above the law and that the law applies to all of us equally and fairly. I trust that justice will be done and I'm confident in that. And I'm extremely proud of the case that we put on. Good evening and thank you. And she will be running for governor of New York. Letitia James. No question in my mind about that. I mean, this is what these politicians do. They, they, uh, they run for attorney general. Christie's another great example, right? He's the United States attorney for New Jersey. They go after people and then they use that to run for governor. Letitia James will run for governor of New York. Mark my words. Write that down. It's another prediction that I will be right on. But this is such a political prosecution. She thanked the judge. The judge is doing her bidding. Donald Trump should have a jury. They're trying to take $370 million from the guy and shut down his business. That is such an egregious penalty that the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution should make it very obvious to everybody that the intention is, if it's going to be that big of a penalty, you should get a jury trial, period. Here is uh, Donald Trump responding today to Letitia James and the judge and the trial and all of it outside the courthouse today. Take a listen. President Trump, everybody. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've gone through years with uh, this person. Uh, she's a political hack, the attorney general. Uh, the judge is obviously extremely friendly with the group. And we'll see uh, what happens. I think maybe he uh, may surprise people on a positive side. We'll have to see what happens exactly. But uh, we've proven this case so conclusively. Uh, we've asked for directed verdict many times. Uh, they don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. Millions and millions of pages, years of litigation, and all politically motivated. She campaigned on a I will get Trump. If you've ever seen any of the uh, seen any of her clips, they're horrible clips, actually. The anger. She's got serious Trump derangement syndrome. There's no question about Letitia James, the corrupt attorney general of New York. So we've proven our case. There's not one witness against us other than one person who is a, a deranged. He's got a lot of problems. He's a man who's... Uh, been convicted of lying. He's a felon, convicted felon, and uh, not a good person. But that's their only witness, and he's now crashed and burned. They have no witnesses. And by the way, that witness took back everything that he said. He took back everything he said in court, took it all back. So they have no case. It's a shame that a thing like this is able to happen. Uh, Businesses leave New York. Uh, She went after Exxon, and they decided to move to Texas. And uh, hundreds of millions of dollars they pay in taxes. I paid over $300 million of taxes over the last number of years, 300 million. And uh, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize anything. So not think of it, not one witness, millions of pages of document, years of this nonsense. And now it goes on. And one other factor, we won this case already in the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals voted in favor of us. But this judge has been very, very slow to accept that opinion because that's not the opinion that he wants. But we won in the Court of Appeals. That's the boss of this judge. He has to know that. And it was a conclusive victory, statute of limitations and other things. And that case has already been won. So 
That's the story, and I thought we'd come down to 40 Wall Street, which is a great building, and you'd get a chance to see one of the nicest buildings in New York and a convenient place, and I don't have to pay any rent because we have it, and it's been a very successful building. But it's a shame to have to have gone through this for years and years and years, and now we'll see if we're going to get an honest verdict. We didn't have a jury. We had no rights to a jury. It's a statute that's never been used before for a purpose like this. I just watched a certain broadcast and they said, you know, they've been looking, has it ever been used before? This is a statute that's a consumer fraud statute, never been used for anything like this before. And it's a shame. It's uh, it's really a, uh, it's a witch hunt in the truest sense of the word. It's election interference. And uh, it just came out, I, this was just, right now, Letitia James visited Joe Biden in the White House numerous times during the Trump witch hunt. And this just came out about 10 minutes ago, I got it. And so it's all, it's all a conspiracy to try and get Biden, who can't put two sentences together, trying to get him into office. So I just want to let you know that uh, we have our best poll numbers, we have the best everything, despite this, and maybe because of this, because the people of the United States, all of those people back there, but the people of the United States really get it. They get it better than anybody else. Yeah, please. All right, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The border is wide open, and Democrats are saying it is. And don't forget our big event coming up with Terry Hayes, the author of the brand-new book, The Year of the Locust, is February 7th. I love this book. I cannot put it down. It's outstanding. And um, I'm at the point now where they're trying to figure out a way into Iranian airspace to stop a massive terror plot. And it's it's just it's riveting. It's riveting. I'll read you what Jack Carr said about it. Jack Carr said in his long awaited follow up to I Am Pilgrim, the most intense and masterfully written thriller of the 21st century. Terry Hayes is back at the top of his game with the year of the locust. Set your expectations high and then prepare to have them blown away. Terry Hayes is a master. That's what our buddy Jack Carr said about him. So join us February 7th. Go to 1210WPHG.com to get your tickets. It's going to be a great night. We'll have a lot of fun together. I look forward to seeing you there. We're coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Well, if you're an illegal immigrant in Massachusetts, <clears throat> you might be going into somebody's house. Yes, that's right. As the uh, illegal immigration crisis continues, a couple updates for you. First of all, yesterday, Congressman Benny Thompson said the quiet part out loud. Now, remember, earlier in the show, I played you a clip of a New York congresswoman saying, I need more people in my district just for redistricting purposes, saying that New York should take in all these illegal immigrants because they will count them towards the apportionment of House seats in the United States House of Representatives which is completely unconstitutional and antithetical to everything the founders ever imagined. Here's Benny Thompson saying you don't have the right to criticize Joe Biden for his open border policies. This was the chairman of the Homeland, I mean, the uh, J6 committee, by the way. Take a listen. The truth is securing the border isn't really the Republicans' top concern. If it was, they'd provide the people with boots on the ground at the border what they need to get the job done. Republicans would rather exploit a challenging policy issue for their own perceived political gain. Republicans disagree with the Biden administration's border and immigration policies. 
They're angry that this administration won't take babies from their moms or put kids in cages like the last administration. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like the president's policies. Let me say that again. You cannot impeach a cabinet secretary because you don't like a president's policies. That's not what impeachment's for. That's not what the Constitution says. Republicans are willing to do grave damage to the Constitution they claim to hold dear because they think it will benefit them politically. And in doing so, they're targeting Secretary Mayorkas, a public servant who spent his distinguished 30-year career serving our country as a federal prosecutor and in leadership positions across the Department of Homeland Security. The facts show Secretary Mayorkas is doing his job across the department's many critical homeland security missions, including border security and immigration enforcement. Despite what Republicans would have Americans believe, Secretary Mayorkas is enforcing immigration law. So if you don't like his policies, you can't impeach him. All right. And this is the this is the argument by Congressman Benny Thompson. Here is uh, another person saying the quiet part out loud. Here's Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, one of the biggest dopes in the United States Senate. Democrats are not interested in taking away Biden's ability to, well, take a listen. I think we are interested as Democrats in providing the administration with tools that will help better manage the border. We are not interested in taking away from the administration tools that they use today to help better manage the border. And so when we talk about this topic of parole, it is very important to understand that it is used today as a way that the administration is able to better manage the flow in a planful way of individuals to the border. 31,000 Chinese nationals were stopped by law enforcement in just 11 months at the border, according to a CNN report. According to U.S. Customs and Border Patrol data, the U.S. would typically only see around 1,500 Chinese nationals in a year uh, over the previous decade. 31,000 in one year. Most of these Chinese nationals are reportedly claiming they want to come to the U.S. to escape the oppressive communist regime. Notably, a News Nation report last month captured footage of some Chinese nationals trying to get into the U.S. And overwhelmingly, those observed coming were single adult males. Wow. Why? How could this be happening? Uh, Here is um, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, ripping into Secretary Mayorkas. Cut 19. I believe Secretary Mayorkas is an abject failure, but it's not because of incompetence. I believe he has done this intentionally. I think these are intentional policy decisions that he's made, and I think there must be accountability for that. Secretary You're Mayorkas, the guy you need to negotiate with. Secretary Mayorkas is not a good faith negotiating partner. He is unwilling to enforce existing federal law. Why would we believe that he would do uh, any new provision? He's lied to Congress repeatedly. He's lied to me personally About under what? oath. Uh, about about a lot of things. Now, here's the other thing, too. Here is the lieutenant governor of Massachusetts asking residents and those with spare space to house illegal immigrants. Take a listen. Most importantly, if you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. 
Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. You can contact the Brazilian Worker Center for more information on how you can step up if you're willing to have an additional family be part of your family. If you're a local official, a college president, a business owner or a faith leader with an available building or space in your community, please work with us to offer it as a shelter site. If you're a social service provider, please consider becoming an emergency assistance homeless shelter provider. Our resources are stretched thin there as well. And if you're a hotel or a motel owner, consider opening it up for emergency assistance. If you're a landlord or a property owner, we can use you too. We can connect you with service providers to help transition families into permanent housing. Everyone has something they can offer. Most importantly, so there you go. Uh, please do your part, okay? Please do your part and help out. Would you please do your part? Open up your homes. We'd all appreciate that very, very much. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. And uh, finally, <clears throat> here is Jill Biden. Dr. Jill Biden. You have to say that by law, of course. Dr. Jill Biden going on about all the Republicans are so mean. They're so mean about Hunter. They're just so mean. As Hunter's in court today pleading not guilty to not paying all these federal income taxes. Take a listen. How have you been coping personally uh, with the onslaught of accusations against your husband and your family, including and especially Hunter? It's the focus of a House Oversight Committee hearing, holding him in contempt, obsessing yes. over him, showing pictures of, of him during vulnerable moments Carl. in his battle with addiction. What an objective question. On the floor of the House. This would crush any family. Mika, I, I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. You know, I'm, I love my son, and it's, had, it's hurt my grandchildren. And that's what I'm so concerned about, that it's affecting their lives as well. Oh, it's awful. But also, this is the setup for the potential pardon if they need to do that to get Joe Biden out of the race. 855-839-1210. Trump says he has already made up his mind on who his running mate will be. Uh, But he's not saying. Or is he? We'll find out. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I know who I want to take me home. Madison Marsh. That's who I want to take me home. Just kidding. Kind of. Uh, Madison Marsh is a veteran. She's actually the first active duty Air Force officer. Uh, She's also Miss Colorado and she's vying for Miss America. She said uh, it's an awesome experience to bring both sides of the favorite parts of my life together and hopefully make a difference for others to be able to realize that you don't have to limit yourself. The 22 year old Arkansas native said in the military it's an open space to really lead in the way that you want to lead in and out of uniform and i feel like pageants and specifically winning miss colorado was a way to truly exemplify that and to set the tone to help make other people feel now why couldn't you have gotten audio of her matt the sanctimonious why of all the audio you got why couldn't you've got the the hot air force pilot i didn't know there was audio that existed i don't know i'm sure there is she's saying all these things right she is very good looking. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> Miss Colorado. And her boyfriend, by the way, looks just like Goose. Her boyfriend looks exactly like Anthony Edwards in Top Gun. I kid you not. He's got the same stash. 
Same kind of haircut. It's kind of eerie, actually. Yeah, this story from the New York Post is a side-by-side photo of it. It's kind of eerie. <laughs> the resemblance is uncanny. I was just telling uh, Henry that. She's beautiful, but most importantly, she's she's an Air Force pilot. She's a woman. She's acknowledging that she's a woman. And um, she has a degree in physics. She, she, she uh, graduated the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado with a degree in physics, according to her biography, Madison Marsh. 2023 graduate of the United States Air Force Academy with a degree in physics. She is a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force, making her the first active duty Air Force officer to be a Miss America state title holder. After her mother's passing from pancreatic cancer in 2018, she began the Whitney Marsh Foundation with her family. As president and founder, she's been able to raise more than a quarter million dollars for research with her leadership team at the foundation. She's currently a graduate intern with Harvard Medical School to utilize artificial intelligence to detect pancreatic cancer. She's now pursuing her master's in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School with her National Truman Scholarship. In her free time, Madison enjoys flying planes, cooking pasta, and reading. Two-time National Astronaut Scholar, eight-time Dean's List at the United States Air Force Academy, three-time Superintendent's List at the Air Force Academy, NASA intern for Gamma Ray Burst Research, National Roads finalist, certified private pilot, awarded pilot as official Air Force career, black belt in Taekwondo. For booking inquiries, click here. If you do not get her on the show tomorrow, I will kill you. I mean that. I'm <laughs> sending you the link right now. All right, send me the There's link. There's a booking link. Miss Colorado needs to be on the show tomorrow because the Zioli Army is going to be 100% behind Madison Marsh for Miss America. If she's at Harvard. I can use the directory, too, and just email her personally. What a snarky, right? I mean, how snarky elitist can you get, Henry? Am I right? <laughs> I mean, you want him to book her. I mean, that could probably be the most direct way. It is. You know, instead of going to some booking email where she probably gets a million requests. Well, first of all, I don't even know what day it is because it's the first time in the history of this show you've actually defended Matt DeSantis. <laughs> just, <laughs> That's true. What I'm is happening? Saying, what is saying, happening he, he right makes now? makes a good point here. And I'm... I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of this woman. Why are you skeptical? It sounds like too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She sounds a little, lovely. A little too perfect. You just rattled off her resume there, and it's like that's that's too many things. Blonde with blue eyes and beautiful body. I mean, like what? what Physics what? degree, Air Force pilot, yeah. Miss Colorado, and all those other things you listed. Ah, it's too much. Too, too much. Medical school. Yeah, medical school. Wait, yeah, no, something's something's off there. What are you saying? You're saying that there were two lines in heaven: brains and beauty, and God only handed out was one or the other. You can have both. That's a lot, though. You can have both. You can you can be, you can be well perfect. endowed. It's too perfect. Um, well, we'll find out when she comes on the show. When Matt DeSanctis, traitorous, gets Miss Colorado on the show, Madison Marsh, Lieutenant Madison Marsh. I mean, that is the coolest story of the day. Am I right? Come on. That is oh, really yeah, it's cool very story. impressive. We got a backer. I mean, the Zioli Army needs to get behind Madison Marsh for, for, Miss, for Miss America. Can you, can you vote in Miss America? Is Probably that a, not. A I don't think thing? so. I think I it's know. just a panel of judges. It's not, it's yeah. not like an American Idol text, text <laughs> this number for your vote. No. You don't get a mail-in ballot or anything either. It should be, though. I mean, it should be. I actually think the most attractive picture of her is not her in her evening gown. It's her in, in, the, in the jet with her helmet on. That's a hot look. You know, that's like, that's a good look right there. But eh, it makes me nervous. If you break up with her, then you know she's gonna launch missiles at your house or something. Well, I mean, you know, hell hath no fury like a <laughs> Miss America scorned. Am I right? She said, "In the military, it's an open space to really lead in the way that you want to lead. In and out of uniform, I felt like pageants, and specifically Miss Colorado, were the same. 
this and she's like I said, she is a woman. I don't know if there's any non-women in the pageant this year, but who the hell knows? And this woke day and age we live in. Uh, but she's um, she said, as a freshman at the academy, you might have a hard time finding your identity in a very new and challenging environment. Her cousin had a history in the culture and always raved about the community service aspect and the focus on public speaking. She took home the Miss Colorado crown just three years later. She says, very surreal. I believe I'm the first active duty officer from any branch of the military to represent at the national level of the Miss America organization. The modern day Top Gun pilot even has her very own goose, Marsha's mustachioed boyfriend, who bears an uncanny resemblance to Maverick's wingman in the hit 1986 film. If she were to secure the national crown this weekend, that's why you got to get her on the show tomorrow, Desanctitratorous, tomorrow. I'll email her right It's now. this weekend. I want to I get her before she's Miss America, not after. Oh, if it's after, we're after. I, want, we're I don't want to pull a Chris Christie and trash her on hot mic, and then she wins, <laughs> and then she can't take, I can't take any credit for call, it. Call her too perfect on a hot mic? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and go, she has no chance. She's going to get squashed at Miss America. She's going to get smoked. She's not ready for this. Oh, hi. Hi, M- Madison. I didn't realize you were on the line right now. <laughs> the Zealy Army's totally behind you. And then she becomes Miss America. I can't take credit for it. So this is why I want to do it the right way. It does sound like she's going to win, too. I agree. And that's why if you get her on the show tomorrow, I can say my endorsement helped her win. And then I can take credit for it and maybe become her attorney general. Unlike how Chris Christie completely blew himself up in a landmine yesterday. Very large landmine. Think of the crater that would make, huh? Uh, she's going to go to cancer research. Of course she is. She's so perfect. She might be artificial intelligence. Towards the end of my time at the United States Air Force Academy, I started to realize my bigger passions were in policymaking and cancer research. So that's why I ended up at the Kennedy School of Harvard. So go ahead, use your snarky little elitist email and get her on the show tomorrow. I'll, I'll I will you. bump Jimmy Fallon for her. I'll bump whoever for her, whatever time she wants. <laughs> I'll, I'll include that in the email. I got to go 30 seconds. All right, fine. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. I got to run. Please get your tickets to the Terry Hayes event on February 7th. It's going to be a great night. His book, The Year of the Locust, is outstanding, riveting. I love it. We're going to have a great speaker series event tonight. I want to see you there, February 7th. Just go to 1210WPHD.com. Get your tickets. I also have it linked on my Twitter page. At Rich Zioli, thank you for listening. Have a great night. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.